Spencer Coburn's The Bald Truth. I have to admit I enjoy doing this every week. So, guys, if you are tuning into the program for the first time, um, this is your place to ask anything and everything hair loss. We've been doing this for a very long time. And today we have a special guest. I'm, I'm really happy to have him in studio, Dr. Ken Anderson, who is uh, – not a founding member of the IHRS, but one of the older, uh, older, one of the uh, the longer, t- long-time members of the International Alliance of Hair Restoration Surgeons, also recommended by the American Hair Loss Association, a guy who's been in the field for about 20 years, almost as long as me, right, Yeah, Dr. Anderson? Yeah, 2003, early 2003, I uh, I got started right here in Beverly Hills. That's, That's right. I, I remember that. That's the first year I started in the industry, too, 2003. Remember we talked about that in Vegas. Yeah. That's right. So I'm really <laughs> I I am I I guess I'm really the goat, as they would say. Indeed, the OG, the OG, the OG, yeah, and that is really sad. It's almost 25 years, guys. Yeah, almost 25 years, guys. Listen, I'm going to give out the phone numbers. Our lines are open now, so feel free to call in triple eight six five nine three seven two seven. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Inside baseball about the industry. There's an opportunity for you guys to ask questions about anything and everything hair loss. If you're considering surgical hair restoration, this is the place to get completely objective information. We're here to tell you the truth. And, you know, it's unusual for me to have a guest in studio. A, because I don't like anybody in general to be in my, in my place. But I, I happen to like that. <laughs> Joe knows that. I haven't liked Dr. Anderson. <laughs> yeah, he's not kidding. <laughs> he's not kidding. And, and, you know, it's unusual to get a different perspective. You know, Joe and I, Joe's been in the trenches for a very long time. Um, I've been doing what I do for a very long time. When I say in the trenches, Joe has been, you know, besides being a 10-time hair transplant patient, he's actually worked for clinics and advised patients during consultations in person. But I've been able to kind of see everything from a you know thirty thousand foot type of view over the years, and know where all the bodies are buried, all the shit that's going on in this industry, uh, stuff that kind of surprised Joe when he first we first started to work together on this broadcast. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Joe, you were pretty was... you were pretty stubborn about things initially. Well, I was. I was already coming out of my shell, and and I knew there's like I knew some bad stuff. But then when you t- when you uh, I'll say awakened me to the reality of what some people in this industry are doing, I thought it was a bad joke. And and today I I, I still wish it was a bad joke because it hasn't stopped. That kind of stuff just keeps on happening, and it's it's actually worse now than it was. When I first learned all about this stuff, it's it, the industry itself is worse now than it was 10, 15 years ago. And guys, I don't mean to interrupt you. Guys, hold on. We will take your calls in a second. 888 So guys who are holding on, just you know, hold on. And also, understand this. When all of our lines are full, you're not going to get a busy signal. It's just going to send you directly to voicemail. That just means that we're full. And as soon as we get off the line with somebody, we'll drop a call and you can try to get in. <clears throat> Phone number is 888 Go ahead, Joe. And I would like to, to jump in. There was uh, someone in the chat room had asked if someone in the chat room can recommend a good FUT surgeon in the USA. You're looking at one on the far left side of your screen right now, Dr. Ken Anderson. He performs not only uh, really high-quality FUE hair transplant surgery, but also FUT strip surgery. He's 
he's been doing FUT for a long time. I've seen the work. I haven't had the I haven't had the privilege to look at a lot of the work up close, but everything I have seen has shown me that he's he's one of the better ones out there and I encourage you or anyone else to call into the show. You can ask him questions directly about his FUT procedure, his FUE procedure, how he does things, how he thinks, and how he likes his coffee. And look, it, look, if he wasn't good, frankly, and if I didn't feel that he was an ethical guy, and, I, and I'm, I'm very honest about this, Ken. I don't like people in my space. And I, I say that, <laughs> that you know, during, during when there's conferences here in L.A., people want to come over. That's great. Yeah. But when I was, you know, with the house in Calabasas, I think maybe I only had maybe Alan Bauman over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a very personal – it's my personal space, yeah. you know. But to be able to, you know, have you here to speak to you, to get to know you, to know how you treat your patients. And look, I've known you for a very long time, yeah. actually longer than you've been in the IHS. I met yep. you about – I mean, it was 2004. We were young men. Yeah, when we met. Yeah, that was an interesting meeting, by the way. But look, we're going to take a call. We'll talk about that in a sure. second. Let's take some sure. phone calls. Hey, you're on the air. Who's this, and where are you calling from? Hey, caller. Caller, I'll give you a second to say hi. Three, two, Hello? one. Hey, caller, you're on the air. Who's this, and where are you calling from? It's Morty from Brooklyn. Morty from Brooklyn. How are you, man? What's going on? Oh, my God. <laughs> welcome, Morty. Hey, guys. Yes, welcome. And uh, good, to, good to make your acquaintance, Dr. Anderson. Uh, thanks for joining this the, 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 the show. Um, I'm a longtime caller, for those who don't know me. Um, yeah, so I'm calling just to say hi to everybody. To, Do you really think that there's someone that, that listens to this show that doesn't know you, Morty? Oh, well, maybe you never. There's, there's, you get new callers every day. You know, I, I mean, we, we so. do. We do. We do get new listeners, new callers every day. But in general, if they've ever listened to a podcast in the last two years, they've heard Morty's voice. <laughs> anyway, I'm just calling to let everyone know that I'm okay. Um, I actually got got the the, the bug which is going around. Um, that's why I was unable to call last week. Really nasty bug, still getting over it. What do you mean the bug that's been um, going around? You got the virus. You got corona. Yeah, the virus. The I got the I got the vid. <laughs> you know, so it was it was nasty. <laughs> still got a little bit of a cough. <clears throat> so how is that? So, so right. how's that Moderna vaccine treating it? <laughs> Man, I got I got a baseball card collection of of like of vaccine cards, and they're about as useless as. You know, as uh, well, just yeah, just about. Well, look, maybe maybe if it wasn't for the vaccine, you'd be dead right now, and you wouldn't be calling the show, right? That's good point. Possible is obviously no way to know. Um, I got on the Paxlovid thing, um, and shout out to Dr. Cole because my regular GP refused to give me a prescription, but Dr. Cole actually gave me a prescription for Paxlovid, so God bless him. Yeah. Um, I got a friend, I got at least two, three people that I know that have gotten it within the last week, and they seem to be worse off than I am, so I think that that may have made a difference. You know, um, here's the yeah. thing. None, none of us really know, man. So, I mean, I think it's great for for everyone who had the opportunity, you know, uh, especially guys our age, Morty, to get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Great. But, you know, sadly, it's there's a lot of people that I know double vax boosted here in Los Angeles and they're sick. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do? And Dr. Ken, you're a doctor. What do you think about that? We don't have to talk about the, the politics of it. I am pro vaccine, all that stuff. But what do you think about 
Are these actually breakthroughs or is this just going to be commonplace? Well, I think that uh, the, the virus continues to mutate. Yeah. And uh, the, I do believe – I am vaccinated myself. I do believe that the vaccines, uh, while not uh, preventing illness, may in fact lessen the severity. And I think right. it's keeping a lot of people out of the hospital and, alive, and yeah. a lot of people alive. So I think it's worth – uh, worth your while strongly considering, especially if you're over 50 years of age. Yeah, Jesus. When I hear oh, yeah. I hear 50, it sounds old, Joe, and I'm I, I'm going to be 57 in a couple. It of does. Weeks. <laughs> I, I just well, remind you know, everyone like that it not only helps to prevent death and keeps people out of the hospital, it also helps to helps our ant alien overlords to continue to track us anywhere we go. So just remember <laughs> that. <laughs> cool. This thing so, on? Jeez. So, this Morty, thing I saw, Morty, I saw, I saw your hair transplant online, and I got to tell you, I mean, I'm not surprised, but it's looking pretty good, man. I'm, I have to tell you guys that I'm very, very glad that I was able to get it done with whom I was able to get it done and in the way that I got it done, which is slow and steady, you know, doing all my proper research thanks to the IHRS. I did my homework. I, you know, I had a lot of different consults with a lot of different doctors, and, yeah, I spent a little bit of money, and, you know, and I did a little bit of traveling to make sure that I was able to find the doctor that made most sense for me. Um, I'm also grateful to Joe's list because, again, the doctor I chose is on Joe's list. So, you know, anyone who is planning on starting this journey, remember that it is a journey. It is not a one-and-done kind of thing. I'm still on it. And I'm I'm going to say something more, and I think it's important. I hate the whole idea of lists, these lists. You know, for for years, physicians Uh physicians were calling the IHRS a list or a website. Now, finally, because we're recognized in Dubai and because of WebMD and because of you know everything that we've done, we're looked at as a society. That's you know Mm -hmm. what what that's what we started out to be. Joe doesn't have a list. Joe works with certain doctors from the IHRS who he likes and thinks uh, you know that he would um, not mind working on him. So it's not just like a list I, I of doctors. I think that's a good distinction, yeah. No, I, 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 Don't I, pick it, your doctors off a fucking list, Morty. I, I get no, it, though. No. It, it's, it's easy to reference it as a list. I understand that. But it's like, it's like how do yeah. you classify the docs I work with? It's, it's it, uh, my group of doctors, my, my group of uh, I, I don't, client. Like, I don't know. Like, how, do you, how do you reference that? I, I don't get it. The society, IHRS, I do agree with that. That's easier to, to throw down. But, yeah. Uh, we're off on a tangent now, here. Back to you, Morty. Continue what you're saying. Now, Morty, I have a, I have a, I have a question sure. for you. We have, we have Dr. Ken Anderson sure. on. We, it, it's unusual for us to have a, uh, a live guest in studio. Do you have any specific questions uh-huh. for Very. Dr. Ken? Because, listen, well, actually, everyone actually knows you went, to a, yeah. you went to see another doctor in Atlanta, and you had good, you know, yeah. you had good results. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. I've got some questions for Dr. Anderson. And this is actually, I mean, and this is something that I think everybody should do. You should always get a second and a third opinion on anything that you're going to do to your body, put into your body, et cetera, et cetera, because the more information you have as a consumer, the better off you are. And so I am going to ask a question of Dr. Anderson. Um, specifically, it has to do with um, the use of medication. So I have been using um, oral finasteride, 1.25 milligrams daily for the last three odd years. And um, I got my prescription from another IAHRS doctor. 
Um, and um, my pharmacy recently told me that that doctor hasn't renewed my prescription. So um, I, you know, I've, I've put a call into their office. They haven't gotten back to me yet, which is fine. I have, I have enough uh, pills to get me through the weekend. But just for the heck of it, I reached out to my doctor, um, and I asked him if I needed, because of the fact that I'm on his topical, whether I needed to continue to take the oral. And he basically said no. Um, which I thought was a little surprising because the trico test basically reported um, an advice to do an oral and a topical. So, Dr. Anderson, what's your opinion on this? And obviously you don't know me at all, so you don't know anything about my case, but, I mean, maybe you can speak in a general sense about, you know, oral, topical, you know, use them together, use them separately. Very good. Let me ask, how old are you, Marty? I am 52 years old. Okay. Well, uh, and I don't know how much hair loss you have. What, what Norwood stage would you say you were at prior to your uh, your surgery? I'm going to tell you, he's like a formica top, this guy. Formica like, 7. It was like four, it was like a full-blown 7 never yeah. coming back. Okay. High gloss. High gloss. <laughs> Chrome dome. High gloss. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm going to uh, uh, go 5A, back to 5A. All right. Very good. Very good. So for the 5A, uh-huh. that's fairly, uh, uh, fairly advanced. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want to touch on something you just mentioned to start out with. You said, you know, it's a journey. And that's what, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, a lot of my patients uh, uh, kind of miss. They come in and they, I had a guy ask me last week, you know, is there some surgery or some thing you can do where I can just have the uh, the procedure and really never worry about hair loss again? And I, I kind of chuckled. I said, no. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot like hair loss is a lot like dental decay. If you think about it, and, mm-hmm. and that's an analogy I use a lot uh, in consultation because, uh, you know, both dental decay and hair loss, they're not diseases. And therefore, you know, it's, it's, you, there aren't really cures for things that are not diseases. It's a natural variant of the human condition. Uh, both are uh, uh, both are not diseases, natural phenomenon with no cure, progressive in nature. Of course, their cavities don't come and go like acne does. Uh, and they're with you for life. Uh, and then fifth, they require – this is getting back to the, the, the finasteride question – they require daily treatments, uh, uh, specific and effective treatments uh, uh, to manage uh, uh, effectively. You know, I have patients saying, well, I'm, I'm eating healthy and taking vitamins. I said, well, that's great. You know, a lot of healthy people have hair loss. It's, it's still uh, – it's not a disease. So you need to do things uh, uh, specifically for hair loss, just like you do specific things for dental decay. You can take vitamins. That's not going to – prevent cavities. You got a brush and your floss, very, you know, specific things. So uh, finasteride is, uh, uh, and for those new listeners, finasteride is one of three FDA treatments that are recommended. Finasteride, uh, minoxidil, and uh, low-level laser therapy uh, are the three uh, mm-hmm. three of the mainstays. Uh, I do think that um, uh, topical finasteride definitely has a place uh, in the in, in treatment, you don't get the full effect of the oral finasteride. You get about you know uh, seventy five eighty percent of the effects. The benefits there is that the the plasma levels that the that the, that are in the blood of the the medication are, are much lower. And uh, and I mm-hmm. find in 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 you know prescribing the topical finasteride for about the past five years very. Very few complaints of patients having adverse side effects of, you know, the most notable of which is a a sexual one where you have uh, a decreased libido. Um, But I think that, uh, you know, preventing hair loss is incredibly important. 
You know, hair transplant surgery really is just a redistribution of what happens to be left. And if you have loss in the crown, it's, a, it's self a dwindling uh, supply. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the dentists almost have it better. You know, I keep going back to this dental analogy, but if you lost a tooth to dental rot, they could put one made of porcelain or whatever they're making it out of these days and put that in the mouth and it would look and function exactly like a regular tooth. And we don't really have that in hair restoration. It's in you know, the living hairs are, are, are in limited supply. I don't mean to cut you off that, Sir? but that, that's a really important point because I tell people all the time, they've got teeth down. You know, you may have problems with implants if you needed one or they may have to give you cadaver bone or, or you know, whatever to, you know, like a graft to, to hold the implants in. But once that is done, you walk away like you have a full, beautiful smile once again. We don't have that in hair, Morty, as you know. We've been telling you this for a long time. The oh, fact yeah. that you ended up getting a transplant, we try to talk you out of that based on you know how far you've oh, yeah. progressed. This is a hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going to a good clinic, there's a, a you know a ninety some odd percent chance that you're going to do well with a hair transplant, especially if you're on medication. But I think what Dr. Anderson just stated is really important for new listeners that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in a, this, this hair, hair loss is it's a different thing. It's a progressive disorder or condition or disease. I call it a disease of the spirit, and it's not a one size fits all situation as far as treatment. And when you're dealing with medication, mm-hmm. as you know, Morty, I mean, we just don't know if certain medication is going to work for yeah. everybody. So, I mean, I guess your a- question absolutely. was your question is you've been on finasteride for such a long time. Uh, you're using topical as well. Do you think, I guess this is the question you asked, is it okay if you stop using oral, right? That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. That's one, this is one doctor's opinion. And again, I like to get lots of opinions before I make a big decision. And, you know, changing my medical regimen is a big decision. I, so, I know Dr. Anderson has, has yeah. an opinion based on his experience. Let me just give you my opinion based on, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm a layman. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I preface mm-hmm. it with saying not a doctor. To me, if it ain't broke, don't fuck with it. That's how yeah, I feel. That's kind of what I'm thinking. If as you well. haven't had any I, adverse I, I side effects agree. all these years, then mm-hmm. and you're doing well with it, then then why screw mm-hmm. with it, Doctor Anderson? I, I yeah, I, you know, yeah. I, I, I concur, yeah. Doctor. <laughs> I concur. I think that uh, the two, the topical and the oral, would, uh, in my opinion, be more effective than one or the other. Uh, I think if you mm-hmm. do decide uh, uh, out of for whatever deci- reason you want to come off the finasteride, I would taper off of it. I would for two That's, two yeah, to three weeks. I would as well. yeah. I would for you know if you're taking uh, mm-hmm. uh, one point two five milligrams or one dose per day, I would for mm-hmm. uh, 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 at about two or three weeks uh, steps depending on your uh, level yep. of, of interest. You know, go down to six. Six days a week for a few mm-hmm. weeks, and then five days, and then over several months, uh, taper off of the oral medication and keep a close eye uh, on uh, on the progression of your hair loss. And all the while, you're doing your laser therapy and uh, yeah, and just yeah, yep. yeah. But I think you're you're on the right track. You know, prevention is is critical, and really one of the most important, if not the most important thing, in terms of how happy uh, you are, other patients uh, will be with their hair long term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good question, well, though. 
Thanks for great, the question. Great question. And thanks for the call. I'm so glad that you survived this because, you know, look, we need you to call on the show. No, I, we, lo- <laughs> we love you. Yeah, I, 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 I'm <laughs> very grateful to you guys. Say that again? I'm very grateful to you guys. I, I'm very grateful to you guys. And, and, you know, I mean, Dr. Anderson, just so that you know, I'm, I'm not one of those, you know, home run cases. Um, I was, okay. I've been calling for a lot of, for a little while. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not an easy case because you're talking about a fairly advanced amount of hair loss, mm-hmm. 5A. I wasn't like the perfect um, candidate in terms of donor hair. My donor hair is fine. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, it was one of those situations where yes, it, is. it could easily, have, <laughs> it could easily have gone either way. It could have gone, it could have gone really well, which it did. Or it could have gone really badly. You know, I could have been over-harvested, mm-hmm. in which case it would have been an, a complete nightmare. Uh, I could have had a bad placement in terms of where the hairline was. But, but listen to yourself, boy. Listen to, listen to what you're able to, how you're able to preach, man. I mean, when you came to us two mm-hmm. years ago, you didn't know shit. You know? Oh, no. And now you, know, you, you went in there with your eyes wide open. You knew what the entire mm-hmm. scope and the possible pitfalls of surgery – and honestly, I tell mm-hmm. doctors this all the time, Dr. Anderson, it's, you want patients like Morty to walk through your door yeah. because, God forbid, if something goes wrong, they understand that that's a, it's cosmetic mm-hmm. surgery and that's always a possibility. Well, I have a question for Marty. Yeah. Uh, sure. It sounds like you chose F-U-E. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Tell me, yes. uh, walk me through your decision-making process on that as opposed to an FUT, which is the linear strip procedure for those uh, well, new and, and, and before we go my, on to that, Morty, before we go, guys, hold on. We will take your calls in a second as soon as we can get rid of Morty. So it's 888-659-3727. <laughs> go ahead, Morty. Cool. Um, to, to, that's, so to answer, to answer Do- Dr. Anderson's very polite question, Spencer, um, um, basically, I didn't start with what kind of procedure I wanted. I started with the relationship with a doctor. Uh, ultimately, that's the way I decided to do this. I, I was not in love with one procedure versus another. I wanted to know that whichever procedure I went with, it is a procedure that was going to be performed by a doctor that is a doctor that I want to have a procedure performed with. And then it just happened to be FUE because this particular doctor specializes in FUE. As a matter of fact, he's a pioneer in FUE. Um, if, it, if it would have been the other way around, in other words, if it were a doctor that I had met and I had made a good decision based on, you know, again, you know, IAHRS membership, based on uh, Joe Tillman's uh, say-so, based on... Um, my own my own experience of uh, you know consulting and interviewing with the doctor, and that doctor wanted FUT. Um, I probably would have considered it. So I think that that's kind of the way I'd answer that question. Okay. Having said that, I kind of prefer FUE because of the fact that the the degree of scarring that I've seen certainly and and of the other patients is very very minimal. It's very very small. I. I haven't noticed any real scarring. So well, it's also because of who you went to. I mean, if you decided to go to somebody else, exactly. if, you, if you didn't find that's the, said, the ball yeah. truth, it's very possible you would have walked away like you, see, you know, these poor guys that you yeah. see online. Yeah, with with, the, you know, with with a you know with a hairline like 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 Mo from the Three Stooges and no hair in the back. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but see that even the hairline, the hairline could be fixed in most cases. But once you are over harvested mm-hmm. and you have to deal with that, I mean, that is. These poor guys, it's, it's, and, and we're talking about guys in their 20s, Morty. Oh, yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah. Uh, 
We're we're going to move on. Yes. Uh, so sure. that was well, a good well, answer. One by last the way. question, and this is for yeah. Uh, always a last uh, question you, you, with you. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Well, it's it's the que- it's basically the same question that I was going to ask of Joe because we know that Joe is also using a topical. So the question to him is: is a Are you still using your oral with your topical? And B How did you transition? If you did, I did not transition. I tapered off to completely different issues. Thanks for asking. Um, I, okay. uh, I I brought it down. I brought it down slowly. Uh, similar to what Dr. Okay. Anderson was, was talking about, because that's that's my belief that if you're if you're going to stop a medication, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, you never want to do mm-hmm. do it cold turkey because uh, you know with regards to hair loss, it can uh, trigger a telogen effluvium Shock, yeah. of, of some degree, which which we certainly don't want to do in my case um, or any case yep. for that matter. But yeah, I just I just slowly tapered off and um, slowly added in. The topical to where now it's completely replaced the oral and no no difference that I can tell so far. But uh, just like I was talking about last week, I'm concerned about the application of topical only because the, the particular topical I'm using now is uh, mm-hmm. it's a thick um, it's it's a thick formulation where it's almost like um, Arm and Hammer uh, baking soda toothpaste. That's that's the closest comparison mm-hmm. I can. I, I can make it. It's gritty. That's it's good white. for it's that's good for styling your hair, though. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing. I mean, not for me because like, I have to do the blow dryer. I with love the it. Donald Trump the earlier's comb over thing. So if it's a little greasy, you could see right through it. So I can't do that. And then you mix that with the paint. Found a way to insert that. Which, by the way, if Doctor Anderson goes into my bathroom, he'll see it. If you mix that with the paint, it's a mess. So whatever I put on my head has to be like dry. You know, it can't be greasy. Yep. So that that's the problem I, I have with that stuff. And that, and, Morty, can and we take a, can we take another call, like, Morty? Like is that all right with you? Sorry, what? Can we take another call? Absolutely, guys. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> Morty, great hearing from you as always. Nice to meet you, Morty. Same here, guys. Morty, take, take care. Take care. Man. Nice to meet okay. you, Doctor Anderson. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Be well. Are you able to? Is that computer working? Yeah. How is it working? What do you mean? It's your computer. Oh my god. He's he, <laughs> he's good. I didn't know I pl- I didn't know I put power into. It. I was just like, yeah, you know, let's open this up see if it works and I guess it's working. Oh yeah. La- laptops have batteries. Yeah. You don't need to plug it in. Hey, you're on the air. Who's this and where are you calling from? Hey, it's Mike in NYC. What's up, guys? Mike, how are you, man? Welcome, Mike. Hello, Mike. Hey, uh, Mike. I'm going to I'm going to put you over to to Joe for a second. And then, all right, thanks. All right, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Um, <laughs> I guess I, I guess I have. Uh, I was going to ask a question to Doctor Anderson. Um, that's based based on transplant surgery. That's, I don't think it's it's spoken about too much, but uh, yeah, go right ahead. Know, man. One of the one of the one of the, one of the concerns about uh, my my surgery. You know, you know, I'm just a little, little going into it, trying to figure out stuff as far as the as far as anesthetic goes mm-hmm. uh the lidocaine which is used mostly what is um what is to be expected you would say as far as an ethical good surgeon when that is being administered um are certain like levels of the person's heart rate and whatnot being should, should that be monitored during all that because um i'm just very i'm very thin and yep. um i just uh lightweight so i'm just a little little concerned about stuff like that you know so just what, what's to be expected as far as the proper way to go when doctor goes about that? Okay, uh, great question. 
Great question, Mike. Thank you for asking it. Um, you know, hair restoration surgery should not be a painful experience. Um, and so the way that uh, um, – and you can talk to your doctor about this and be pretty upfront about it. With uh, the, the medication is called lidocaine. And, um, you know, there's different concentrations. I use a 1% uh, uh, solution without epinephrine. I don't think you – but that's a detail. What's to be expected on your end um, is – it. it kind of depends, frankly, on the rate of infusion of the drug. So talk to your doctor about this and let them know that you're right. aware that there's a pretty uh, steep correlation. The faster you inject that medication, the more discomfort is felt. And that's a pretty steep curve there. And so when I do you know, the anesthesia, first of all, I would also check that your the physician himself is doing the anesthesia and does not delegate that. That's important. In, Isn't that surprising in my that career. you're going to have to say that? Well, uh, yeah, you know, I, huh. I, it's, I think that's when you're administering drugs uh, uh, with a needle, I think that in, in my mind, the way I was trained, uh, uh, you know, I did seven years of facial plastic surgery training at the University of Michigan, and that w- didn't even enter my mind that you, you know, a non-doctor would be doing that, but apparently it's delegated all the time. So just confirm that it's your doctor who's going to be doing it. Hopefully he's using a vibrator. You know, the, the, in one hand and putting that vibrator right over the skin where the needle is injecting the medis- medication. Uh, and thirdly, he's going slow. The vibrator is helpful uh, because it, it not only uh, – it, it's, it's part of the anesthesia itself. It's called the gating theory of anesthesia. And essentially when you provide the same area on the body, on the scalp in this case, uh, with a, a bunch of non-painful stimuli, a lot of vibration, as well as some – painful stimuli, which is coming from the lidocaine needle, uh, it really is processed by the brain differently, and you do not feel as much discomfort. So um, hopefully they'll have a vibrator there, and they'll simply go slow. Uh, You know, I'm... Pain is bad for business. Let's face it. It's one of the primary concerns that patients have. And, and, and your, your question is illustrative of that. And really, uh, I, that's one reason why I do it myself, frankly. I don't want uh, patients getting hurt. And so it should be a zero – usually a, uh, uh, for some, some people, it's a zero. But I, I, you know, it's a one to two on a scale of 10, with 10 being the worst pain. It should be no more than a one or a two, frankly, less discomforting than, than having your, your teeth cleaned at the hygienist for most of us. So I wouldn't stress too much about the, the, the discomfort uh, in that regard. As, you know, if your surgeon's going to go slow and use some vibration, and uh, and the nice thing is that the the, the lidocaine, you know, the effect is is fairly, you know, a few seconds later, uh, it's pretty good and numb. And uh, usually the surgeon will let that soak in and just kind of uh, take effect for five or six minutes uh, at least uh, before the actual procedure is done. And so when you're having your procedure, are you having an FUE or a, a linear yeah. FUT procedure? FUE. Okay. So then when, when that's being performed, you'll, you'll kind of sense the pressure a little bit, you know, with each of the graft excisions, uh, but you will not have uh, any little bit of sharp pain. And that's kind of what to look for. You know, I'm, I'm very upfront with my patients. I say, if you have, it feels like a pinprick at all. You, you need to say something because there's no, there should not be anything to tough through. It should, you should be relaxed and uh, in a comfortable position. And uh, when, this, when the, the excisions are taking place, it, it should – you might feel a little bit of pressure, but there should be literally not one to two, but a zero out of, uh, uh, out of one to ten right. uh, on, on, in terms right. of discomfort. Right. Did, did I answer your question? 
the, well, the other, yes, but the other part of my question was is it, there's also a correlation between as far as a patient's weight and how much is administered and, like, does that get monitored, like, mm-hmm. as far as not being sure to not overdo it and all that? Oh. Um, like I said, how, very, how thin uh, are you? Rather thin. Um, I'm about 145. Yes. I have had patients uh, that are a little thinner, and I would mention that to the doctor. Um, I would also, you know, in in, in cases like this, uh, I definitely use one percent, and I, I mix it up. I take I start with a two percent solution, mm-hmm. and I mix it up with saline. And in this case, I might dilute it even a little bit further. Uh, you How know. tall are you, Mike? Me, six two. I'm thin as a rail. You're wow. six, you're six two, one forty five. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, amazing. That's, yeah. you get patients like that. Yeah. That's for sure. But yeah, so I, but I, I think that unless, uh, uh, I think that if they're using a, um, not using a two percent solution, and uh, they're withdrawing before they inject, uh, I did have about ten years ago. Uh, I did uh, had a, a gentleman about your actually one thirty five or so, and I was uh, injecting a little bit more. Uh, of of the medication up in the temporal region in front, just up above the ear. And I believe there was a little bit of a vascular. Uh, I injected it possibly into the, into the vessel. And, um, and he, he, he you know, he kind of started feeling funny. But we, I have an, I start an IV on all of my patients. So hopefully you'll have a little IV in your arm. And yeah. if there's any kind of, if anything goes sideways, which the chances are pretty rare if, you, if you're using 1% lidocaine and, 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 a, and a small needle, uh, and going slowly, the chances are pretty rare anything's going to happen. But if 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 something does, there's an IV access to give. Uh, you know, there's a liter of uh, of saline that we keep there uh, uh, for for in the incredibly rare emergencies. But I, I, you know, if you're if you're going to an experienced doctor who's who's done a lot of these, I think that these these checks uh, and, and and safety you know pers- uh, precautions yeah. will be in place. Yeah, yeah. Mike, when are you getting Thank when are you getting your transplant? Mm-hmm. This is going to be at the end of May. And you're traveling for it, if I remember correctly, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm so I'm in touch with the surgeon, and we're going over everything. And uh, this is just you know extra little homework I'm doing and whatnot. As you know, I'm very been uh, kind of anal about everything. So, and, yeah. and let me ask you: So, are you are you able to be? Are you in contact with the surgeon themselves, or himself, or yes. herself, or yes. are you dealing yes. with? Okay. And um, yeah, I know for a fact that what he was mentioning, Dr. Anderson was mentioning there, as far as the inject- sh- injection goes, the, the surgeons doesn't themselves, and there is also a vibrator involved and all that. Yeah. Well, I just, I just, I'm going to be honest with you. It took everything in me not to make a vibrator joke. <laughs> by the way, the, <laughs> I, really, the, I really was struggling again? not to make a joke. Yeah. I almost cracked up like a kid. But we're, we're oh, such about, children. I swear yeah. to God, I'm like a ten year old. I mean, maybe fifteen year old mentally. All right, Mike, any other questions? Yeah. Uh, well, I had one just side note for Spencer. Yeah. Or, or, um, well, it's, 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 it's not about hair loss, but it's hair related. All as right. far as going gray, which is starting to happen to me now, Yeah. Um, do, you, do you ever have experience with like combing in a little like, hair dye when it comes to like sideburns and whatnot? No, my hair looks less gray on camera than it does in person. I'm probably about 50 to 60% gray, I would say, right? Dr. Anderson, something yes. like that? Yeah. I concur. So the camera, for whatever reason, doesn't pick it up no matter what. You know, I could take a well, picture. Yeah. But uh, I would not know. To me, because I've been through so much shit with this, this hair loss thing, I'm just happy that I have hair in my head. 
So right. it also makes the comb over easier. And, the, you know, I have – I don't want to jinx myself, but I have good sides, you know, good, you know, temporal peaks. Um, so – it, you know, it just it just flows better when it, when it's when it was darker, it looked thinner, especially in the back. Right. So yeah, to me, me, you know what it is. It's like yeah, may look may may make me look a little older <coughs> than I could if I dyed my hair. But fuck it. You know, I think you know your hair, your hair looks fine, man. Well, like I said, I'm looking at my camera right now. It looks a lot darker uh, on camera than it does in person. But for me personally, it just seems like that's just an extra pain the, the uh, in your ass. Uh, in your ass in your life that you don't need. And especially if you're dealing with yeah. hair loss, I mean, everything you add to your hair, I mean, who knows what it's going to do in the long run. Probably not going to damage your hair, but you never know. You could have an allergic right. reaction to it. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, is it bumming you uh, out that you're turning gray? Dr. Anderson's uh, gray looks no, great. <laughs> well, he has a great hairline to go with it, too. That's true. So. Touche. Uh, no, it's just the thing is like it's just the little stragglers, so it's not like that traditional like distinguished salt and pepper look going on, and so it's just like if I could uh, prolong it until it overtakes me, so to speak. You could use um, if you, if you want to if you just have stragglers, you could use a little Duramatch, then you know temporary it'll wash out, mm-hmm. but you could temp- right, temporarily right, use it, true. or some of those spray on products that you can buy. You can buy them; uh, they have them for women for um, for roots to dye their roots. Put a little bit on a on a comb or on a, on a mascara comb and just put it through your hair. It'll stay on all day. You could also. Gotcha. I want to. I want to comment. A great question, Mike. Uh, but there are stylists out there. Shout out to Steve Hightower, the Hightower Salon in Buckhead, Atlanta. Uh, he specializes in treating, uh, uh, styling, and, and cutting hair. Of course, uh, men with uh, with hair loss, and so uh, he can uh, apply these things professionally. And uh, he's offered uh, offered to take care of some of my grays a couple of times, but I've yet to, you know I kind of like my gray. But if if that's of concern to you, uh, there are people probably in your city. And you're calling from New York, as I recall. That uh, yeah, you know that would that, that that would specialize in men with thinning hair. But knowing you for all these years, well, all these years, two years you've been calling in, and you've told me that you you suffer from neuroses, and you know you've been figuring out. I mean, as we all do. I mean, I'm, I'm neurotic as hell. Uh, you can blame my mother for that, but that's a long story. But if you get something done professionally and all of a sudden you start to lose more hair, that's going to freak you out. You're not going to know if it's – not saying that it will, but knowing how you know you, you suffer with this, these issues. Are you talking about the hair, hair dye? Yeah. You never know with you. you, uh-huh. you oh, the, yeah. You told me yeah, that you, you, you fucking looked at the Propecia box and you couldn't get it up. Was that you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I was, no, 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 no. I was, uh, I was. No, I never had a sexual thing with that. I was just, I was just nervous about the appreciation. I had a little, ang- ang- well, a lot of, I should say, like uh, anxiety. Things okay, so going you're right. You're the right caller. Okay, I, I try okay. to remember all the callers, but yeah. So I, I remember you being, you, know, you, you actually saying that you, you suffer with anxiety. And I'm not saying not to yeah. do it. I'm just saying, you know, less is more with everything. You, you know, right now right, you're concentrating right, on yeah. getting surgery. You might want to concentrate on that, and hope, and then as your hair grows in, then you can consider coloring it. Just my gotcha. suggestion. Yeah, one one step at a time. No, yeah. I know, I, I definitely, I hear you, man. No, I, I do. All right. Well, look, thanks might. for the cold guy. Thank, thank you, Doctor Anderson. And you, you might look. even be surprised when your new hair starts growing in. It might even be darker. So that might be a Joe, solution as well. You, you pull back from Michael. Little, little known fact. That's true. Good luck yeah, with your I surgery, Mike. That. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Mike, good luck. Let us know how it goes, all right? I will, Spencer. Okay. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Take Phone care. number is 888 Let's see who this is. Hey, you're on the air. Who's this and where are you calling from? Hey, caller. Hi, this is uh, Andrew from Dallas. Andrew from Dallas. Welcome. What can we do for Hello, you? Hello, Andrew. Hey, sorry, I wasn't sure if it was me or someone else. It's all right. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Good. Yeah, so I, I wanted to ask uh, a question about hair follicles and uh, what are your thoughts on whether or not they, they die? Or like whenever they stop, I guess, growing, do they do they like permanently die? Or they're just like in a dormant phase or... Because I know that there's times where you can still you can still kind of see like a stubble or a follicle there, and I was well, just curious, like what is it? What happens? Well, well now that we have the opportunity to actually let a doctor answer your questions, let's let the doctor answer that. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing today? Doing fine. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, the process Absolutely. of uh, of of hair loss uh, is a bit confusing, and it's not where. Uh, and as you correctly noted, it's not where the hair just falls out and fails to come back. All hairs have cycles. They, uh, the hair follicle will produce a hair for a number of years, uh, typically three to eight years in, the, in, a, in a phase of growth called antigen. And then it goes through a, a cycle, kind of like a pine tree. You know, you walk up on a pine tree in a forest. It has needles on it all year round. But you look on the ground, and there's pine needles everywhere. What's, what's the story there? It's the same thing on your scalp. Uh, the the fo- follicles are continually being uh, uh, created and and shed by the scalp, and usually everyone's losing about fifty to one hundred and fifty hairs a day. Now, in in people without hair loss, the hair comes back with the same caliber and the same length of the growth cycle, three to eight years or so. Those hairs, the hair follicles that are subject to the the uh, the forces of of male pattern hair loss specifically. Uh, undergo a process that's medically called miniaturization. And what will happen is not only is the hair shaft caliber reduced, the hairs are physically thinner. That's why you can see around them in areas of of thinning hair. And the the growth cycle is reduced. That means it's maybe not going to be three to eight years. Maybe it's five to seven months. And so you can sometimes in my patients who have a receding hairline, younger guys or really any age, you can pull the hair back and there's little hairs about, you know, uh, three quarters of an inch, inch and a half long that, you know, of course, the 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 stylist or the barber didn't cut them there. That's that's an area of active hair loss. And so what will happen over time is it, it, the, the follicle tends to what we call or what is called – it burns out essentially. The, the, fo- the hair produced by the follicle gets smaller and smaller and smaller and eventually doesn't produce any hair at all. I mean it goes you know, down to you know, like hair on a woman's forehead. It's there but you almost need a microscope to see it. Uh, but eventually hair follicles do uh, stop producing uh, hair after you know the the process of miniaturization is complete. It's not exactly a a death thing. It's just a transformation uh, of the hair follicle itself. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering because uh, yeah, because I was wondering because of, it's commonly said that DHT is the the main culprit for hair loss, and you would think that if you you know if if that's the case, then everybody on medication should be able to recover their hair, um, at least the majority of it, if, if that truly is the, the number one well, culprit. Well, don't forget, my friend, that, you know, th- th- there are three different enzymes that make that trend. DHT is a product uh, that is, is a molecule that is made from testosterone. 
And so mm-hmm. the, 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 there are three different enzymes. They're all called 5-alpha reductase. And there's, there's 5-alpha reductase type 1, type 2, and type 3. Uh, uh, type, type 3 makes a negligible amount. Type 2 makes about 65% of the DHT. And type 1 makes about uh, uh, 34.5%. Uh, of the DHT. Now, the medication that's most that's that's FDA approved and most commonly prescribed for hair loss is is finasteride, or Propecia is the trade name. Mm-hmm. That's going to block just uh, the five alpha reductase type two, and so that doesn't take away the DHT entirely. And you don't want that. You know, DHT is an important hormone in other areas of the body. It's kind of like the super testosterone. It's it's like testosterone, but a much more powerful. It's about a thousand times more powerful than testosterone, and it, it's responsible for a lot of things that make us manly men. And so, you don't want to drop the t, typically uh, your DHT to zero. And so, the the DHT comes down by about sixty or sixty five percent when you're taking finasteride. The other medication that is out there is called uh, uh, dutasteride. Avidart is the trade name. And that blocks both type 1 and type 2 and will reduce the DHT levels uh, much lower. Um, and, and so th- th- those, that's what's available. It's not, really, it's not recommended for, for hair loss. It's more of a drug for prostate gland enlargement. Um, but mm-hmm. it, to directly answer your, your, your question, it's it really – it's not going to reverse the miniaturization effects. Once the miniaturization has, to whatever degree, has occurred, reducing the um, uh, the levels of DHT typically, not, not always, but typically doesn't uh, uh, reverse the process. It kind of just leaves it where it was. There are some patients who, especially younger patients in my practice over the years, I've found patients under the age of about 30 who, uh, uh, who jump on mm. Uh, who are prescribed uh, finasteride, sometimes they can grow hair back, sometimes substantially, but that's the exception as opposed to the rule. And I find that if you're over about the age of 30, simply using finasteride alone is not going to bring the hair back or make, you know, reverse the miniaturization process, make those growth cycles longer and the hair shaft diameters thicker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering because um, I made one of the biggest mistakes by stopping dutasteride. I was on dutasteride for a while, mm-hmm. and then uh, I I thought I had experienced side effects, um, erectile dysfunction. But and so I, I thought, okay, maybe maybe it's the medication. And then I stopped it, and I thought to myself, well, if if I notice if I need to get back on it, like if my hair gradually starts to thin, I'll just get back on it and recover. Uh, whatever I've been losing, I didn't think it would be too too big of a deal, too bad. Um, and it and it really, yeah. I didn't really notice anything until about the right about the fifth month, and, mm-hmm. and almost almost all of it just happened at once. And it was like, and then at that point, it was a little too late because I, I I thought to myself that maybe I would notice the thinning like gradually, and yeah. then I'll just get back on it. But little bit I know that it just all hit at once, and yeah. I was just kind of devastated. You went through a pretty and, typical uh, telogen effluvium, or just the hair just you know starts to kind of it's synchronized and just essentially falls out you know pretty quickly. That's not uncommon. Yeah, you know, well, it, so- I, it sounds concerning to you, Mac. I can, I can hear the, I can hear the pain in your voice. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty. Uh, it was pretty bad, and uh, I've I jumped back on uh, Dutasteride. Um, I've been on it for about a year now mm-hmm. uh, I still have hair on my head it's just very very thin and so that's why my question about uh, 
like hair follicles and then uh, the the cycles and it, you would because if you would think that if the hair follicle is still alive, if it's still producing, that maybe eventually it would recover. But maybe I'm not giving it enough time. I, I don't know, but I also don't know if this is the best it'll get. Like I still have hair on my head; it's just very very thin. Yeah. Um. So it's like a lot thinner on top, and so. I was just wondering if maybe I need to give it more time, or or if if uh, once it gets to a certain point that it can't recover. Yep. Um, I don't really know. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. May I? Yes. How old are you? I'm 31. Okay. And what else are you doing to prevent your hair loss uh, issue? What else? Well, so I've tried a lot of things. I've tried microneedling, yep. uh, minoxidil, but currently um, I've also tried a. Um, Topical finasteride, which was the the more F five or whatever from India, um, I think that was that was years ago. But I I feel like that did help a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then, um, but then I really think that when I was on dutasteride, that really helped a lot. Yeah. And uh, but once I stopped it, uh, made it made a big difference. Mm-hmm. But currently, right now, I'm also in addition to dutasteride, I'm also uh, and this is controversial. I know. Uh, forgive me for it, but I wanted to try it out because. I've been on it for. I've been on dutasteride, trying to recover what I had lost. So I got I got on uh, RU five eight eight four one, the topical antiandrogen, mm-hmm. in hopes that mm-hmm. maybe uh, in combination with five uh, five. The only thing that's controversial about that is we don't know where the hell you're getting it from. It's all gray market shit. Hmm. You, you don't know what you're what you're putting on your head, and if, if it actually is RU five eight eight four one, because that really hasn't been manufactured. For 20 years. I mean, at least manufactured yeah. to the point where you don't have to, you know, put it together in a bathtub. Yeah, I agree with that. And I know I know that there was a time where there was it was said that it was very successful at one point. There was uh, different studies, phases, but then all of a sudden they stopped and disappeared and didn't explain why. But um, it's, I mean, just like you just like we talked, uh, or I've heard you mentioned before in the past about the forums or people, rumors, um, it's it's uh, commonly understood that RE5 a for one can be an, uh, an alternative or an effective mm-hmm. um, product. Um, I just decided I, I wanted to try to do everything I could. Uh, I did notice, though, that I started in January this year, did notice that... Um, it's almost like my hair started thinning, out, thinning again, but I, I'm thinking it ties back to the hair cycles, like you said uh, earlier, that it they kind of synchronize and you go through a shed. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking maybe I'm going through a shed, where, which is kind of interesting to me, too, how uh, when you start medication, like you experience a shed, it's commonly associated with the shed. Well, I want to so, make a comment about that, and that is that uh, if you if you start a treatment for for hair loss specifically – uh, like whether it be minoxidil, low-level laser therapy, things like this, a little bit of a shed is uh, is, is kind of a sign that it's actually impacting the hair cycles, uh, and, you know, and in, in, in a positive way. So I counsel my patients if you know if you start low-level laser therapy, or if you start the topical, uh, I offer a finasteride minoxidil mix at my practice. Uh, it's got some retinoic acid in there and some other. Uh, and some ketoconazole, all of which have been found to prevent and sometimes reverse male pattern hair loss. If you notice that a little, you know, guys are really concerned about that initial shed, the reality is is that's actually uh, showing you that it is modifying uh, the timing 
uh, of the, the hair follicle cycles and, and can be a good thing. I just want to also add that you may consider, you know, speaking to a, a, a hair restoration surgeon, hopefully someone near you recommended by the International Alliance of Hair Restoration Surgery uh, about uh, PRP procedures and possibly exosomes. You know, exosomes are a stem cell-like therapy uh, that, that, you know, has shown some uh, real benefits in some patients. And that might be something that you, you would want to explore to kind of help reverse that process uh, without surgery. You're kind of, you know, you're yeah. a little bit young to be considering surgery at this point. So I would, I would exhaust your options besides surgery to try to push off a, a hair restoration surgery for as long as possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely want to avoid that. And, and listen, I just, I, I, just, I just want to, I just want to point out, and this is just my opinion based on just you know speaking to literally tens of thousands of guys just like you over the last twenty five years. I have known people who've gone off their med, their meds, and you know they felt they had side effects, and then they realized maybe they weren't having side effects. They got back on, and you know during the time they were off off the medication, they went through a telogen effluvium. Uh, they lost a lot of hair, uh, maybe even be- worse or back to baseline. I've known people who have grown back a significant amount of hair as long as it was done within a year or two year time period or three year time period. Mm-hmm. So I don't want you to think that you know um, that that you're just out there, you know, uh, you know, out to dry because you you decided to jump off medication, you had a bad experience, it is possible that you could recover. I'm not saying it's going to happen. We have no idea, but yeah. the possibility does exist. So yeah. I want you to kind of keep that in mind yeah, no, so you're not totally bummed yeah. out. No, that gives that, give, that does give me a lot of hope. It's just, uh, and, and I, I just want to put this out there just for anyone that's listening, um, you know, and you hear it a lot on the, out there on the internet, but I went through it, and I'm just an average person calling in, just like everyone else. Uh, when I was on the medication, um, it was almost like I had no hair loss. Like, to the average person, they would have never known. Um, the, I would say that that's probably the biggest mistake I ever made was kind of, like, underestimating the the power of the medication. And um, right around the fifth month is when I learned the hard way. And, uh, oh. it, I mean, my head... It was almost it was almost down to the skin. Like I mean, there was just so many gaps everywhere, hair, and um, I've recovered some of it. But like I said, it's very thin. But I would say that that's probably the biggest mistake I made. Um, <clears throat> so definitely don't well, get off of it. Well, uh, don't I beat yourself up it. about it because I, you know, you, you, especially since you're spending time on the internet, a lot of guys you know they spend a lot of time online and they're reading about these adverse side effects, and even if they're not initially experiencing the side effects, sometimes they psych themselves out. And they start to experience the side effects, or maybe you know, I don't know. Maybe you were out drinking that night and you just couldn't get it up, and you you know, you're blaming it on the drug, and you know, that's that's not uncommon either. But uh, I do I think actually. Go ahead. I was just going to say that when it comes to that, um, it turns out that now looking back, which was very dumb of me, but I was actually um, working a lot, so I wasn't sleeping very much. I was probably averaging four to five hours a night, and. Um, and I was go. tired, and I, I looked it up, and uh, sleep deprivation causes erectile dysfunction. Anything and can. Then, uh, if you think you can't get it up, you can't get it up. It doesn't matter if you're functioning normally or not. It, as soon as that adrenaline kicks in a little bit, and your mind is like, oh, this is not going to happen, it doesn't happen. So Yeah, because yeah, yeah, there was a time where I did think that there was side effects. Uh, before I started, I was scared. But then I got on it, and I was like, 
yeah, this is this. I, I don't notice a change at all. I just want to make um, it clear to everyone who's listening, and especially for all the you know the the, the people who are saying we're Merck shills or whatever. Side effects do exist mm-hmm. for sure, and the possibility of adverse long-term side effects seem to be a reality for a, 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 a real small subset of the population. However, most men who take this drug seem to do pretty well on it. And the majority will see some success as far as a hair loss is concerned with very minimal adverse side effects. I've been on the drug for 30 years. And I got to tell you, if I couldn't screw, I wouldn't have been on the drug. Now, have there been times when, you know, I'm an older guy where, I, you know, I had a little bit too much whiskey and all of a sudden things didn't work out? Yeah, but I said, you know what, I drank too much tonight. That's all. Then everything went back to normal. So these things happen. You know, and this is not for you. I understand your case, but for those who are listening, yeah. who are hyper focused on always pointing to the drug for whatever happens in their body, that's not necessarily the case. And I'm sure Dr. Anderson counsels a lot of guys who are just like, I think I'm having side effects, and maybe they're not. Well, you know, I want to point out, Andrew. It sounds like you're doing a lot of this, uh, or at least some of it, uh, on your own. You know, hair restoration surgery is an interesting field. Uh, in that typically, you know, if you can uh, – we don't charge for consultations. I mean I know I, that's just kind of a thing in America. I know in other countries uh, there is a charge to see a physician about hair loss. Uh, but that really isn't the case here. And, uh, you know, if you can find a physician that, you know, cares about their patients, uh, a lot of times it, it doesn't cost anything to see them. And I see – I don't charge for my consultations and uh, I care about mm-hmm. my patients and I want and, – and, you know, just like I, you know, I can I can hear the concern in your voice. Yeah, a lot of times you can you know make an appointment. Uh, there, uh, an, an, an ethical surgeon is not going to try to sell you a surgery. Uh, he's going to try to counsel mm-hmm. you on the different ways of hair loss prevention because you have you're only 31 years old. You've got decades of, of living to enjoy, but you've also got decades of hair loss to manage. And uh, and and so a, a, a good surgeon will recognize that. Uh, a good hair re- a hair loss specialist, hair restoration surgeon, whatever, and uh, uh, you know will will counsel you in the different uh, areas and, and and other treatments you might uh, consider. Like I mentioned, you know PRP and exosomes may be of use to you, especially because of your age. You know you're a young yeah. man, and and the hairs still are there. And uh, uh, PRP and exosomes have been known to thicken up hair that is still there but in a miniaturized state. So uh, I would you know. Maybe look one of these guys up. Uh, we do virtual consultations, whatever you like, and and mm-hmm. and talk with them about your options because it, it you'd want to do that before before they're you know it's not going to happen suddenly, but you know it takes years for hairs to finally or follicles to finally burn out and stop producing hair. Uh, but you know, uh, the, the, feel free to utilize the physicians that are out there who who specialize uh, in hair loss and hair restoration surgery. And look, man, just hang tight. Um, there, there's a possibility, even with what you're doing right now, that you can get back to where you were. Absolutely, I'm, I'm not saying that that's it's possible. You know, that's that's the case, but it's possible. All right. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate it because uh, I've used a microscope, and <laughs> that's another probably another level that most average people don't. But I was looking at the follicles, and uh, I, I see them. I can see them, and they're at a decent caliber. They're just. Some of them are like longer than others, and, and even though so, I've you got yourself a now, digital microscope. What are you putting on your phone or on your computer, and you're checking out your your density and your yeah. hair follicles? 
Yeah, they're actually pretty cheap on Amazon. They're probably about thirty bucks. Oh, they're and, super. Uh, they're super cheap. I actually was. Yeah. I was. I was advising physicians during the pandemic that you know if they really wanted to get a good assessment of their of their patients, they may want to offer that with their online consultations and send them a, a an inexpensive digital microscope. And a few of them took you know decided to do that. It really helped. Them, yeah, helped I, re- them out. I recommend it too. I recommend yeah. it just you can kind of see. What the eye, what the eye cannot see, and then you get a close-up look at what's actually going on down at the, at the skin. All right, man. Um, well, listen, I, listen. I'm going to cut you off because we get a lot of calls, and um, I, I'm glad we were able to help you. Um, I hope we were able to help you, and we're here every week, man. So let us know how you do. I have a feeling you're going to be okay. So just you know, be be patient and have confidence in the fact that at least you've taken action again and you're being proactive. Thank you very much. All right, man. I right, will uh, keep you posted. Good luck. Thank Hang you. in there. Good luck, Andrew. Thank Take you. Care. Thank you very much. Triple eight six five nine three seven two seven. Hey, you're on the air. Who's this, and where are you calling from? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Oh, hi. Yeah. Uh, this is. Yeah, this is Wayne. I'm from Pennsylvania. Hey, Wayne. I called about Hello, uh, Wayne. a month and a half ago. Okay. Hey, hey, how's it going? So yeah, I called about a month and a half ago. I said I had my first hair transplant back in 2019 with Dr. Sinek from Istanbul, Turkey. And yeah. I, I was not 100% happy with it. Yeah. And then um, I talked to you about my my uh, my possible revision, and uh, I was thinking about eugenics with Dr. Bonson. Well, anyway, I did have the, the second hair transplant in India. I was there about two weeks ago. Oh, really? And uh, I'm, I'm, Yeah, I'm okay. recovering from it now. Yeah, All I was right. in India. I was... Uh, yeah, I, I went. I went to um, Mumbai for first for six days, and then two days in Gurgaon for the hair transplant. Another six days in New Delhi. But uh, yeah, that that poor that country extremely impoverished. I've seen uh, newborns on the side of the uh, sidewalk, literally like a foot or two feet from the edge of the sidewalk. And what, what if somebody you know steps on it? What if there's like a moped or a scooter that runs over it? The Mumbai is just so so packed. I mean, so how do you feel about having surgery? Though? Chaos. Um, I, I thought it was fine. I mean, they call themselves like a like a state of the art facility, but by American standard, it's, it's pretty pretty standard there. And this not like you know high tech or anything like that. But no, I don't have any problems. With Who'd you go to again? The, the you went to eugenics. Eugenics. Uh, say again. You went to eugenics. eugenics yeah. yeah. Yeah, in uh, Gorgon, near New Well, Delhi, so tell, tell us about the facility. I, I'm interested. Now, obviously, you know, they're part of what we do in the IHRS. They have a really good reputation uh, for... Well, they, they have for, their own building. For that part of the world. It's their own building. They that own I know, it. yeah. Oh, right. It has uh, mm-hmm. several floors. And uh, when you uh, enter the building, they want you to be wearing um, uh, you know, slippers or some, like, um, Crocs, so you're not wearing your own shoes in there. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then when you're having your surgery, they, they make you take off uh, any shoes you have, you're barefooted, and then they do offer you a blanket, which was a nice touch because when I had my first hair transplant with Dr. Sinek, I was uh, freezing in there. I was like shaking and shivering, but uh, having that blanket really uh, provided some warmth and comfort to me. And then like what uh, Dr. Ken Anderson said about the anesthesia, they use this uh, uh, like a vibratory equipment so it kind of distracts mm-hmm. your mind, and uh, when they injected the, the lidocaine into the scalp, I, I really didn't feel it. When I was with Dr. Sinek, they poked that massive needle. It was like uh, 
you know, stabbing you with a butter knife, and that was so, so painful. And then they say, hey, if you, if you want that, um, what, that, that uh, air gun approach, they were going to charge me. Three hundred fifty euros. I said no. I am not, I'm not going to pay that. They were actually going to. They were actually going to charge you. Well, I mean, you went to a clinic. Yeah, you, you went to a clinic. Less pain. You went to a clinic. You and you wanted to save some money too. So they figure, you know what? Yeah. We're only going to charge you these many euros for, you know, a better application of uh, anesthetic, which is insane to me. Yeah, that's yeah, outrageous. Yeah. It isn't outrageous. Yeah. I hear this all the time, man. That's uh, wow. Well, things. Well. Yeah. So. It, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll do we'll do I, the surgery, but if you pay it. us some more money, we'll make sure you don't have any pain. How much yeah. is the That's air? How it works. Yeah, and, and and if you pay us a little bit more <laughs> more money, we're not going to throw away these extra grafts that we took out of your head. Now that's that's yeah, not exactly. a that's that's not a hair transplant tourism thing. That used to happen right here in Los Angeles and in a clinic in New York uh, back in the day. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. throw your grafts away. Yep. Oh, and they 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 go up to you during the surgery. When you're they, sedated. When you're sedated, they want you to put it on your credit card. Yeah. Here's my card. Yeah. Now make me not feel any pain. Yeah. But, yeah, they didn't uh, – yeah, at eugenics, they didn't charge me for it, Not nothing extra for it. And, yeah, you're right, though. I mean, it was painless. I mean, it really was. I mean, c- compared to uh, having that, you know, syringe poked into your scalp, it was like 10 times mm-hmm. less painful. It was pretty comfortable, actually. Well, and good. now I can understand how people have um, – you know, you no know, back-to-back days of hair transplant. Before going to eugenics, I, I just couldn't understand it. Why would people want to put up with that tremendous pain two days in a row? When you know, it, it, well, no one wants to put up with that, that pain. It's just, it's just different clinics have a different standard of, of how they take care of the patients. It, it varies widely uh, across the entire spectrum of, of clinics. Uh, some, some, or most, as far as I know, have uh, have brought in the vibratory. Uh, aspect of of diversion from the pain while they're administering the anesthesia, but there's still clinics that don't do that, and and you got some clinics will, that will um, use a uh, I forget what it's called, but it's a machine that will actually do the injections automatically. They just they just run it across the skin and it's uh, injecting into the scalp with anesthesia. Yeah, that's what uh, he was talking about. That with, they, a, they, with a standard syringe that, that the first Turkish clinic wanted to charge them three fifty four. Yeah, well, I heard that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but there, there's all kinds of differences from clinic to clinic. There really is. So what did so, yeah. so okay? So you went in. This is a repair surgery. So what was the yeah. assessment when you went in to get repaired? Now, who did you see? Which doctor? Doctor Erica Bonsall. Uh, she's great. I happen to li- like her very yeah, much. Yeah, she was nice. She was nice. She has a great attitude. Yeah. She's, she's very, my airline. Very professional. Yeah, mellow person. But uh, I, I think uh, there's some asymmetry, but that, that could be my fault, though. I, I shouldn't have done it. I, uh, I sketched out my, my, my hairline with a piece of paper. I folded it in half and uh, make, make, make sure that it's the same on the left and the right side, just so I can have a symmetrical hairline. And then uh, she drew the hairline for me, and then I placed that little piece of paper onto my forehead. And then I noticed that the left side temporal point was a little lacking, and then she drew a little bit deeper. And, uh, and now, looking at the mirror and taking some pictures, it seems like the, the left side. Dude, you haven't, it hasn't even grown in yet. You don't know it. what you're going to get. I mean, there's always a, a, some degree of natural asymmetry. Absolutely. And that's probably, yeah. you know, yeah. and maybe Dr. Dr. Anderson could, could uh, speak to that. But I would say that's probably what you, what you want to go for. 
To some degree. Yeah. I call it uh, getting funky with it. You kind of just – you know, symmetry is a general goal, certainly. Uh, but, you know, uh, you'll find – like I'll, I'll be talking with patients and um, – you know, especially when I'm doing the hairline, I'll line it up and I'll say, "Do you know one of your eyebrows is higher than the other?" And they had no idea. Yeah, and then I it's, show it's it's easy if you if you take a picture because it turns the the 3D human head into a 2D picture. And I say, "Carefully look here. You can see one eyebrow is high, and then you know one or one ear yeah, is bigger, or one ear is located higher, or one of their natural temporal points is, you know, even on my own head, I've got." I forget which side is which, but when I when I got into hair restoration surgery, I, I you know of course uh, had a good look at my own hair, and uh, my temporal points are one's almost an inch higher than the other on one side, and I, my whole life I went through not knowing that. So uh, that's you know when I in my fellowship in facial plastic and reconstructive surgery and the cosmetic portions of that, uh, and it also applies to reconstructive surgery of the face. You know symmetry is a, a definitely a general goal, but absolute symmetry is not really. Uh, um, uh, something to be held in absolute uh, uh, regard in terms of the surgical outcome. So, because really, especially with hair, you want the hair to look like it's always been there and not not like somebody put it back. So, there's a sort of an organic uh, presence to it. So, I think that was an interesting idea to use a, a piece of paper to kind of ensure that you had uh, general symmetry and. Uh, it's, it, I think it's once you let the uh, you know I understand your hair is not even grown in it's only been a, a couple of weeks yeah I would I wouldn't yeah. wouldn't worry about it for another year you know and you pro- I don't think you're going to notice any issues if it's if it was even close to symmetrical you're going to be you're going to be happy with your result yeah like what you were saying though the best way to detect asymmetry is to take a picture of yourself and yeah. I've been taking pictures of myself mm-hmm. I can notice the the asymmetry. And uh, well, I mean, I mean, I do have a lot of asymmetry. My left eye is lower than my right eye. Mm-hmm. My yeah. right eye is a little bit farther away from the center line. My my skull is asymmetrical. Uh, the right side is a little bit rec- uh, receded. I, I see some lumpiness on the back of my head, and the way how holy my hair shit, grows, man! You're really you're really assessing right yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was going to say. So you so you notice the asymmetry is what you're saying? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's normal. Well, yeah. Totally normal. One thing I tell yeah. people is, one thing I tell I've told people for years is that you can't expect a an actual symmetrical hairline because your face isn't symmetrical, your body's not symmetrical. Uh, all you can do is just get it as close as possible, but it's never going to be actually symmetrical. So what you know, what Dr. Anderson was saying, you know, it's completely spot on, and you're 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 saying it yourself, like you're noticing all these asymmetries about other parts of your head and your face then your hairline can't be symmetrical either. So it, it's, it's, just something, it's just something you deal with. And, you know, your, your, your shape of your, your face and your, your hairline, it'll all work out in the end uh, unless it's like inches difference. You know, like one temple is three inches further back than the right. If it's like that, then you got an issue. But if it's not like that, then you're probably fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you when the, when the hair grows out, it's going to be a completely it's 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 going to look much different, you know. Especially since you know, depending on how you style it, where you part your hair, and you know, frankly, there's sometimes even a, a reasonably significant asymmetry in a hairline, especially if you're parting it on the side that's higher, that could look kind of cool, you know. So, I mean, it, it really depends. I know guys who haven't lost a hair, a single hair. And if you actually went up, if you went up to their hairline, you'd be like, "Holy cow! I had no idea how mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, you know, what a degree of asymmetry there was." 
And when you see these guys with yeah. really symmetrical hairlines, they look kind of weird. I'm not judging, but it's unusual. Let's put it that way. So yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, go ahead. Say it again. I don't part my hair anymore. Ever since my first hair transplant, I spiked my hair up. That's the only way it looks good. When I parted, I see a lot of um, discontinuity in terms of the, the hair density. There's like large patches of sparseness at hmm. the parted area. It just doesn't look right. So I just well, well let me ask up. you, and, and, and th- I think this is important for, for newer listeners who are considering having the hair transplant or going to a you know, different country to have a hair transplant. What degree, like how dissatisfied were you with your first hair transplant? And I, and I ask you this because, and I mean, Dr. Anderson may have heard me say this on the program, but really in this market, I can say based on all of the complaints and emails that we received through the American Hair Loss Association, the IHRS, and the Ball Truth, it's, it's, about, it's an estimate, but I'd say seven out of 10 hair transplant patients range from dissatisfied to disfigured in today's market. And that seems like a lot, that only 30% are super happy with their first result. So were you dissatisfied? Were you somewhere in the middle? Did you feel like it looked unnatural? Did you just want more density? What was your situation? Well, from my first phone call, I, I would give my first hair transplant with Dr. Emra Sinek a grade C. It was okay. All right. That's I, 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 mean, I got to tell you, every month you're one I'm of the lucky every- ones. If you got a C, if you give yeah, him a C, you want to lucky more than ones. two years now, and I, I, don't, I, I think I realized the final result already it's not going to get any better and it's probably not going to get any worse because i'm taking you know finasteride daily on one milligram dose and and then the doctor finally said hey you know why why don't you come into the office we can do a revision for free but then i i I talked to dr ponsella and she told me that you know your, your hair density is not high there could have been some transection and from that i i and then talking to you on the phone the first time around, you said, hey, would you rather have a free surgery or would you rather pay up some money and get some excellent results? And, uh, you know, based on your analysis... Well, I'm really I smart. Go with eugenics. It's good advice. I guess you are. That's what I did. I went to eugenics. <laughs> well, well, listen, I, I'm, 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 I'm sorry that I forgot some of your story. And, like, like you know, we get a lot yeah, of callers. Okay. But I'm, I'm glad yeah, that okay. you, you went to a facility and a clinic that uh, if you're going to travel, if you're going to go so far out of the, out of the country, then that is one place that uh, provides really great service. And they're not cheap either. That's the thing. Oh, no. Not by Indian standards. I mean, no. That's you're, not, you're not going to like a $1 or $2 grant 99% place. 99% of the people in India cannot afford it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, you know, we try to avoid, especially in the IHS, we try to avoid these guys who are really low-balling, uh, not only in different parts of the world, but in this country as well. You know, we cannot commoditize. This is such a – I was telling this to Dr. Anderson earlier – such a difficult and nuanced, you know, uh, this elegant form of cosmetic surgery to turn it into a commodity – uh, you know, I mean, you're going to have to cut corners. And anyone who's really great at what they do, they're not going to do that, in my view. So there you yeah, go, man. I mean, if you want to get a hair transplant, you have to go to a doctor that specializes in hair transplant only and not go to a cosmetic 
surgeon that does rhinoplasty, facelifts, you know, breast augmentation, and a medley of other things. You need a doctor just solely dedicated towards surgery transplant. That, that's the best way of getting the best result. I absolutely agree to that. I agree with your opinion. That is, that's a solid opinion. Uh, hair restoration surgery is its own specialty. Uh, it's got its own uh, board. Uh, it's you know. It's, yeah, you it's, need a team of people working with yeah, you. Yeah, who do it every day. I mean, it's, it's very time consuming. Another thing I would look for in a hair, you know, what, with the different changes in the specialty and a lot of doctors, cosmetic surgery doctors who perform uh, rhinoplasty, breast implants, uh, own a med spa. There are a bunch of med spas uh, popping up that are now offering uh, or, or portending to offer robotic hair restoration surgery. Uh, the, I would look – it makes it a lot easier, at least from my perspective – to separate, you know, the players from the pretenders, and that is, do does the do the surgeons perform both FUT and FUE? I think neither's a panacea. I think FUE. You know, I've been doing FUE since two thousand and four. I started in Beverly Hills here, and uh, you know, th- th- we initially thought it was going to be just you know to get hairs to put into other scars, and then it kind of transformed into this entire other animal because there's, you know, there's instruments around it and there's uh, patients will uh, 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 pay more for it. Uh, but, you know, the linear uh, FUT still has a lot of use. It is the the gold standard to which FUE, all, all other methods, including FUE, uh, should be compared. And so if uh, there are exceptions, definitely. There are doctors out there who specifically specialize in FUE. Um, but I think by and large, um, if, if the doctor does not offer FUT, you you might uh, have a little a closer look at that doctor because you know the, the the ones of us that are very serious long term hair restoration surgeons absolutely uh, still have a portion of their uh, practice where we offer FUT. You know because uh, not everyone wants an FUE and not it's not applicable nor appropriate in every situation. I think I well, think that it seems like there are. Go ahead. Schools of thought on it, though. The now retired Bill Rathman says FGT is the gold standard, even though he claimed that he and um, Bernstein co-invented the FUE method. And then I would say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have to correct you on that. They, 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 the Bob Bernstein named FUE, and they, okay, him, well, Bob, and, and Bill yeah, did publish did, anyway. did publish the first paper. Can I t- can I interject right there? Well, you know what you're talking about in this one, Who too. was the surgeon on that first paper? Uh, it, apparently, it was you. It was me. Yeah. I, 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 I used oh, to practice yeah. Yeah, yeah, I used to practice with Dr. Rasmus <laughs> and Dr. Bernstein. They were in the, the same practice together. And this is on April 1st, 2004. Uh, it literally was based on almost a dare. Like Scottish – all of Scottish cuisine is based on a dare. <laughs> but, but I, I but I but I, I was offered you say I, that about haggis uh, <laughs> haggis but I was offered a uh, Dr. Rasmussen said if you can get because we didn't have any instruments all we had was disposable uh, uh, plastic with a little metal end these Miltex biopsy punches one millimeter and he said if you can get over 1700 grafts this would be and ended up being the first formal hair restoration surgery procedure performed with the FUE method. He said, if you can get over 1,700 graphs, you get a free long weekend in Palm Desert. And I was a young man and uh, with a lot of energy. Uh, I started extractions at 6 a.m. And no kidding, it took us, took me 
until uh, uh, Dr. Bernstein was in New York and Dr. Rasman was uh, elsewhere in the building. But I sat there with those technicians from 6 a.m. until 11.30 p.m. took me uh, uh, 17 and a half hours to extract. And I, I, at the last three hours, I said, you can stop uh, telling me. I'm just going to go until I can't go. Any, and, I, and we did 1,901 follicles. Um, and at the time, I, you know, after I finished that, I had to take a couple days off. It was uh, it was uh, very arduous, and, uh, and I thought we all thought there's no way that this will ever be an actual thing. And uh, but w- there was the, and the patient himself, he was a green beret, uh, uh, legitimate green uh, army green beret, and it's a good thing because he, we had him in a seat, seated position for those 18 hours. Uh, and yeah, but it's um, it's come a long way with the advent of all the the instruments, and it's kind of you know we always thought it would just be a, a sort of an a side method to to get hairs to put into to frankly fut scars right. or for guys who were in the army or who or actually was soap opera actors back in in the early two thousands uh, who uh, uh, maybe would get a role that would require them to shave their head for a uh, for a military role but it's 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 surprising to some of the older generation of hair transplant surgeons that fue has has taken such a front seat. Uh, in the specialty. But I agree, FUT is the gold standard. Well, what's surprising is, and I don't mean to cut you off, what's surprising is that the history of FUE has been completely rewritten and most of what you read out there is complete bullshit. And I tell you guys this all the time on this broadcast. No one, this is probably the first time that anyone ever heard that it was Dr. Ken Anderson who performed that first big FUE surgery that was essentially a, a... a key factor in Bill Rasman and Bob Bernstein writing that paper. Did I phrase that correctly? Yeah, they had. I was I, I was in my first year with with uh, Doctor Rasman, and uh, so I, I did the surgery, and they wrote the paper. Uh, they did include me as an author on the paper, yeah. which was nice. But yeah, that's that's currently in the uh, in the two thousand four oh, okay. um, ISA the forum, and you know while ISHRS publishes. while Bill was having you do that work, or before that, you know maybe even before you started to work for him, him and I were on the phone having conversations about the Woods technique, and mm-hmm. him saying that it's absolutely impossible that they've tried it. They're not. They, they're not even going to. There's no point in even doing it. Mm-hmm. Bob Bernstein told me the same thing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, listen, guys, this is a reality. I had someone in the studio that I was in New York at the time, uh, who's you know, I've never seen anything like this. I think it's a great adjunct procedure. Canadian doctor picked it up, started to promote it on a, an old message form called Hair Loss Help uh, with the help of a guy named Feral Man. And, you know, I said, look, this guy's going to – he's crushing it. People want this. If you guys can make this happen, you should. So it was John Cole it was uh, Alan Bauman. It was uh, uh, Dr. Anderson with, you know, while you were working with Bill Rassman. Mm-hmm. Bill saw this happening and he's like, I got to get a paper out. But he had told me point blank, there's no way this is going to work. They've tried it. It doesn't work. Well, I think it was the instrumentation. I mean, I would yeah. go through these boxes in that, in that case and you'd get a box and I would just – have the tech, had a great staff actually uh, to support me on this, and which is always important. But I would, I would, you know, for, for some of these punches, you would be able to do 20 follicles, and other ones you'd do one, I'd be like, throw it out. And, I, and I'd yeah. go through an entire box, throw it out, throw it out. I'd try one, and yeah. you could just tell it was too dull. So real, we didn't have you know, the instrumentation was in its uh, you know, prehistoric, embryonic stages at the time. Sure, sure. Well, I'm glad that they decided to take it seriously, that you were there to help them make that happen. Yeah. But 
It's a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword because the reality is I, I think that um, while I was a big proponent, I was able to you know, introduce the Woods technique to all the doctors in, in North America and then in Europe. We created a lot of monsters. It destroyed. I mean, I never in a million years thought the field would turn out like this. Yeah, the pendulum kind of almost went too far. Completely. Yeah. Completely. Mm-hmm. So now the barrier to entry is incredibly low. People aren't really investing a lot in the infrastructure of their practices. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's it's a mess. And that's the, that's go a good point because the barrier to entry used to be whether or not you had the surgical training and skills to perform an FUT. Right. Which is complicated and, and can be dangerous in, in untrained hands. And uh, uh, that doesn't exist anymore. You know, you don't need to be a facial plastic surgeon to to offer FUE. You know, you can you don't need any. Well, apparently, you don't need any surgery transition whatsoever. Well, but, yeah, and in some clinics, that is the case. But it's interesting because it kind of you know it, it evolved to the point where you needed to have that infrastructure. You needed to have that surgical uh, skill set. Mm-hmm. But initially, all, when when it was Norm Norentrike and the Youngers and you know all the all the original guys, you just needed a punch. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So it eventually it's, evolved into becoming a an actual surgical procedure mm-hmm. where it took a good skill set. Isn't that interesting? comes full circle. Now we're with smaller punches again. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Guys, uh, oh, did, did you have any more questions before we take another call? Well, Caller? I think there are different you know, schools of thought on it. Uh, there, there are some other prominent doctors such as Hassan and Wong. Recently, they said that FUE has surpassed FUT. They see the quality of the graphs are now better than that of FUT. I don't believe that. So Why would that, how does that, how does that, how does that make sense? Doctor. That's complete bullshit. If you could, and I'm well, sorry, well, Dr. Well, Anderson, I know you're not used to hearing no, me. I, I don't believe that either, but go yeah. ahead. I'm, I mean, the reality is if you're able to dissect graphs under, you know, three, in a, under a three-dimensional situation, under, under a microscope, you really have the ability to you know, create beautiful graphs, especially if you have someone skilled doing it. As opposed to essentially doing a blind procedure. Now, I'm not saying that the blind procedure can't create great graphs. We know that it can. But I do think that you have um, greater potential of having uh, less transaction if you're doing FUT. You also have a 100% greater potential of uh, being able to utilize 100% of the sweet spot of your potentially DHT-resistant hair with FUT, which Mm -hmm. you don't have Mm -hmm. with FUE. So anyone who's saying anything different to me is bullshit. And I listen, Victor and but Jerry, bo- they're, they're both IHS members. I love them. They've been working with me for 20 years, but they know I tell the truth on the show, or at least the truth as I see it. Thoughts, Dr. But Anderson? Again, the, no, I think certainly that, in terms of patient demand. Without, yeah. Kill off some of the, the, the grass. Say it again? To remove that, that piece of scalp. When you cut that piece of scalp out, like about half an inch thick or so, yeah, you're gonna kill off some of that grass. Well, you can if you're if you're not oh. really careful. Go ahead. Not only that, when you when we stitch the, the the wound up, sometimes there could be dead spots there, and that I, I don't know the medical terminology for that, but that's what some how many how many dead spots here, do you think there are with FUE? Like, like this this is a very old this is a very old argument that that you're you're um, you may have heard it. Uh, on you know in in old forum posts or you might have come up with it on your own. Yeah, but the fact of the matter is is, is that when a don- when a donor strip is removed via FUT, if it's done properly, where the surgeon can can see in between those those follicles in the scalp, 
you can avoid the vast majority of those follicles and not, not create any sort of transection. And you also have to keep in mind that all of the hairs inside of that, that tissue that's being removed, they're untouched by that blade. Whereas with FUE, you have direct physical contact with each and every follicle that's being removed for implantation. Direct contact. You don't have that with FUT. Every follicle inside that strip is virgin, untouched until it gets under the microscope. And it's, you got such a, such a stronger um, field of view using the microscopes for dissection on a strip than you do uh, on any level with FUE. And like, I've seen it too many times. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a fallacy that was uh, a big argument on forums many years ago. And to, hmm. specifically to your point, when it comes to the, the stitching of things, or, or in some cases the stapling, the percentage of hairs, well, the, the likelihood of hairs being damaged are also lower because they're, they're not going down into uh, down to the depth of the bulb with the staple. And with, with sutures, it's such a, such a fine piece of material that's going in between those follicles. It, it just it just doesn't have any sort of impact on on the donor or the uh, the survival of follicles. That's exactly I've right. I've never seen it. You, yeah, you basically want to stay within one one and a half follicles uh, with your your purchase with with the suture, and you do not purchase the. And when I say purchase, that's how much you grab with the suture itself. Uh, you don't want to get the entire thickness of the dermis in there. It's going that will affect uh, the blood supply. Uh, of of that, I want to just make a comment about how FUT is marketed, if I may. Yeah, you always see it uh, marketed where where the hair is trimmed down, like the guy is going off to Fort Benning, um, and he's gonna, you know, do his basic training. It's a good point. <clears throat> and, and and there's the scar. Who? Not many people wear their hair trimmed down like they're going to boot camp. You know, like I wear the hair the current style it's at. Spencer, I can see your – you know, it's generally hair that covers the scalp. That's one of the reasons we have hair. Uh, if you look at where the uh, FUT uh, scar is placed, uh, it's placed kind of higher up on the head. So you really – it's not near the nape of the neck or the right above the ears. It's, uh, you know, a couple of inches above that. So in order to, to cut your hair short enough to see that scar at all, You'd have to really go military with it. The other thing I want to point out is that the, at all, on all human heads, where that scar is, the hair is coming down over it like a waterfall at all areas. And the, the, the degree there is anywhere from – I've seen as low as 16, 17 degrees up to about 28, 30 degrees or so. And that's pretty a pretty acute angle. And so it's not like the FUT scar would ever be seen if you're uh, getting out of the pool or the hot tub or the lake or if it's windy out or whatever. You Or if a person puts their hands through the hair to find it. Uh, if it's done correctly, it should be almost uh, fairly difficult, and you, you've got to comb up through the scalp, kind of know what you're looking for, and go looking for it, uh, as opposed to a lot of these advertisements where you know they, they show these unfortunately large scars. Um, most of the time, they should be one or two millimeters. If you use the trichophytic technique, you can have hairs growing right through the scar, and they can be frankly hard to find. Uh, so it's it's just funny the way it's un- and it's unfortunate the way it's marketed because I think it skews the perception uh, in in the public's view. Doesn't it depend on the person and the, the way how the person scars? For instance, Caucasians when they have a wound and then they have a scar, they don't have this collagen buildup. Whereas for Asians and African Americans, they tend to scar badly. Well, you guys have more. Have are you Asian? Low buildup. 
Yeah, I am. Okay, so yeah, you, I, I know there's a greater chance of keloid scarring I, for sure, but that this is all something that you're going to put into the equation when you're speaking to your physician. Yes, and that, but he, you do have a good point. Uh, typically, the darker the skin, the thicker it is. And typically, the thicker the skin, the, the, the more uh, obvious a scar will be. Like if you consider a blepharoplasty, you know, the, of a lower lid, the, the, the scar from that procedure, which is a lower lid eye surgery where they take the bags out from, you know, if you're a little older and that's an issue for you, uh, that, you know, the scar is left right on the face. But that's the, the skin of the eyelid is uh, some of the very thinnest on the body. It's less than a millimeter thick. The scar is almost imperceptible. Uh, the, 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 the scalp is like a biological helmet. You know, the, the dermis of the, of the scalp is four to eight millimeters thick, sometimes uh, uh, even thicker. And so, uh, which kind of makes evolutionary sense. It's got a lot of blood supply, which is good for scar, uh, to decrease scar formation. But there is a lot of, of, of thickness to, to make up for. So you're going to get some of the thickest. And unfortunately, uh, uh, sometimes even with absolutely per- perfect surgical technique, the scars can be a little bit uh, uh, wider uh, than planned. However... Uh, without proper surgical technique, certainly uh, uh, follicle, you, you, what you're describing, if you, you can uh, imperil a lot of follicles if you place the wound under very high tension with a, the closure. And that just comes you know, from inexperienced surgeons or with poor technique. But by and large, with experienced surgeons, you know, with a hair of any no- typical social length, uh, you, you, you would never see uh, the, the FUT uh, scar. And I think it gets a lot of bad press, un- unfortunately. But you, you brought up a good point in that uh, uh, people with darker skin tones uh, uh, can tend to uh, uh, scar a little bit thicker. And so when I see those patients, I always do uh, or perform on the, uh, the wound what's called a trichophytic technique. It's a little bit of a, it's a technical move where it forces hair follicles to grow uh, right through the scar. Good point, though. All right, man. Listen, yeah, we're, another thing is. Yeah. All right, we're well, gonna, my, my plastic surgeon. We're going to take another call, dude. I never is have that, a is, because of scar formation. I'll, I'll let you finish this thought. Go ahead. Or somebody like me. Say it again. So yeah, I mean, the, you know, people scar differently, and some people scar more badly than others. I, I know for a fact, for somebody like me, if I were to have that linear scar on the back of my head, it's not going to look good. It's going to be wide. And maybe, and, and you may have made the right move for yourself, but yeah. I've actually seen keloid scarring from FU, FUE, believe it or not. I don't know if you've ever, ever seen that. But that is a yeah. rare, it's a rare thing. You see it online, and it's just like, what the F? No one warned these people that that, that was a possibility. Now, it's unusual when you, you have a punctate when, wound when to scar that way. Sorry. Go ahead. And I was going to say, don't forget that when you're, or you may not even understand this, so you wouldn't forget it, but uh, when you have, say, a 3,000-graft FUE procedure versus a 3,000-graft FUT procedure, the overall surface area of the wounding is vastly larger with FUE. There's there's a lot more surface area of actual uh, wounding into the skin than there is with uh, with FUT. And, And like Spencer was saying, that, you know, keloid formation is not... Uh, exclusive to the FUT environment. It's exclusive to being cut. It doesn't matter what kind of cut. Mm-hmm. If you get cut, then then you have the potential for some sort of keloid scarring. But also keep in mind that there has to be a history of it. Like it doesn't it doesn't just show up out of nowhere. Um, there should there should be like in, any in, any physician should be asking you if you do have a history of keloid. Uh, in the past, like anytime you get cut, do you heal normally or do your scars, 
it doesn't even have to be keloid, but do your scars uh, tend to be a bit bigger than an average scar? Things like this. That's called a hypertrophic scar. That's a good point, Joe. Yeah. All right, buddy. Listen, good luck. I'm, I really, you know, fingers crossed that the second time around okay. uh, is a better experience. The fact that you had a, you're, you're grading the first one as a C, I've, yeah. I consider you pretty lucky. So okay. there's a really yeah, good chance you're going to come. a little bit more here. There should improve the appearance. Yeah, there's a good chance you're going to have a significant improvement. Yeah. Okay. All right, buddy. Okay. Good luck. All right. All right. You know what? And, and let right. us know how you Thank do. You Feel help. free to call anytime. Take care, buddy. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling. 888 We have time for another call or two. Hey, you're on the air. Who's this and where are you calling from? Hey, what's up, guys? I'm on, I'm on the air? Yeah. Yes, you hey, are. Hey, what's up, Joe? What's up, Spence? It's Brother Coop. Coop. What's happening, man? Yeah. Hey, Coop. I'm not quite Morty, but <laughs> I like to have fun with you guys. Well, hey, great shows, man. I swear to God. Say it again. You guys do awesome. I said great show. You guys do an awesome job. Thank you, man. I Thank appreciate you. that. So what's All up? right. So I had a couple questions. One of them is like a confirmation question. <laughs> All right. I, I, I'm okay. at six months plus 13 days post-FUE, and I happen to be African-American. You guys talked about um, keloids, and the other guy talked so much I kind of forgot some of the questions I had. Um, so, <laughs> yo, I swear to God, I'm sitting here like, oh, damn. So I called, but the good thing is what I, what I uh, called, I put it on speaker and I turned off YouTube and I could hear the show live. Off, It, it was great. That's good. I didn't know that. So, um, I guess, I guess I want to hear you guys tell me because I need to hear this. Uh, I'm six months and I'll be six months and a half after that. Does new hairs pop out? I've heard it from other people. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Doc say it, or you guys chime in on top of Doc. Yes, I, absolutely. You know, when what happens with a hair transplant procedure with either method performed is the hairs, the hair follicles, they're cut off from the blood supply. That, you know, for, uh, for however long it takes for them to be processed, trimmed, and then reimplanted, uh, usually an hour to three hours. Now, that's a bit of a shock to the system, to each and every hair follicle. Now, I mentioned earlier in the program how hair follicles have cycles, and, uh, uh, but they're not all timed. It's asynchronously happening to everybody all the time. Their hairs are shedding and producing new hairs, or their follicles are shedding their hairs and producing new hairs. When a transplant is performed, it's all at one time. And right. so all of the hair cycles are kind of truncated or shortened right there, uh, um, maybe they're only two years into their six-year cycle, and, and what will happen is it kind of resets the cycle because they've been cooled off in the, in the tissue bath and they're uh, starved of oxygen a little bit. When they're reimplanted into the scalp, it's, there's a little bit of a you know, micro damage from, from being cooled off. There's a bit of micro damage from what's called an oxygen uh, reperfusion injury with, uh, that involves free okay. radicals. And then what That's can, a new word, reperfusion. Yeah, it's, a re, it's an oxygen reperfusion injury. And, and what can happen is – and what does happen to about 80 percent of the follicles is, is that they will uh, shed their hairs mid-cycle. And then they go into their dormant phases. Now, it's important to, to understand that the dormant phase uh, varies among hair follicles. And so uh, it's not like they're – how I counsel my patients, I say, you know, when the hairs grow in, 
And they usually, you know, a lot of, you'll hear three months thrown around a lot. Uh, it's not like they're all coming in at once like a beard where they're all going to be the same length and they're all, are all growing. Okay. It's the opposite of that. Uh, I use the term asynchronous or uh, not timed. You know, uh, typically starting in month three, you'll get a little bit of growth of some of the follicles. This guy over here and this one over here are hey, starting I'm to grow. Sorry to interrupt, but that word asynchronous has like, it's a trigger word for me. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. So uh, we did a lot of online asynchronous type of thing. So Okay. Well, sorry to trigger out of, you, brother. Out of, <laughs> out, of, out, of any, out of any different context, that word would have been fine. But I'm like, oh, damn. Okay. That applies from here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So all right, I'll just say not at the same time. And you, you teachers are easily it, triggered, by the way. That's what I'm talking about, too. What was that? If you're a parent, you also know what asynchronous is coming out of COVID. Oh, my God. So, and, so anyway, to finish up, at six months, you know, um, it's not – bottom line is that the hairs will start to come out. The follicles start to produce another hair after a transplant anywhere from 3 to 15, sometimes 18 months. I tell my patients most of them are going to have – they're going to have hair grow right up until about 12 months, occasionally 15 months, and rarely 18 months. But somewhere in there, somewhere there's going to be about a four-month period where a bunch of hair grows. Sometimes it's – you know, if it's early, it's month three, four, five, and six. If it's later, it'll be month five, six, seven, and eight, or even later, you know, eight, nine, ten, and eleven – uh, uh, things like that. But at six months, no. I, I mean, I'm with my own patients. I'm not willing to kind of put the gavel down until 18 months because I have had patients come in and they said to me directly, you know, Dr. Anderson, I was not happy at all with the results at 12 months, but it's been 18 months. And man, you are, you're the man. Thank you so much. Uh, and they're very happy about that. So I would sit tight. Don't, don't stress. It's uh, give it at least 12 months, if not 15 uh, and and occasionally again, well, rarely, uh, eighteen months. But yeah, six months is far too early to to, to call it a final result. I see. Um, if my man Mike Pedroza is still in the uh, comments, he always tell me stay cool in the pocket. Um, <laughs> but I kind of I kind of knew that, but it was never broken down that way. I almost assumed that if a hair didn't grow within the first six to seven months, if you didn't see it pop out the skin, it's likely that that hair survived the the procedure. Yeah, man, I, I have to say that, you know, that there, there's a – look, there, there, there are averages and there are guys who will see a majority of their hair popping through at six, eight-month mark and then, you know, start to uh, uh, grow into terminal hairs. But as Dr. Anderson stated, uh, I've, I've known guys who really – they thought they had a final result at nine to 12 months and then within a few months – their hair looked a lot thicker. So part of that is the hair, hair is maturing. Part of it is new hairs are breaking through that they didn't even notice were breaking through. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of you know catching up uh, in the growth cycle. And you're starting to see little areas starting to fill in. Don't yeah. – there, there's no hard and fast rule. There are – there's generalities. There are the basics. But you're at six months. I mean, I mean so, so tell me. Are you unhappy at this point? Yo, I'm so close. Oh my goodness! Like, so there. Like April third, I woke up in the morning and I said, "You know, if it doesn't get any better, I'm good." April tenth, I was like, "Yeah." So I fluctuate throughout the day. Um, 
But in all honesty, compared to where I came from, and I hate to be to make that the baseline, but from, from where I started, it's night and day. Yeah, but that's and, a that's yeah, a good baseline. I mean, Jesus. I mean, most people don't don't even say that. The fact that you already believe, or you look at yourself, and you're like, it's night and day already at the six month mark. That's a pretty positive sign to me, at least. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I I concur. All right, all right, um, man. I needed some confirmation. That's all. <laughs> all right. I appreciate your time, man. Take another call. All right, you Those got it. On the right track. You got it, man. It sound, you sound like you're doing well. Stay so. strong, man. All right. We'll talk. Right. Feel, feel free to call at any time. Take care. Will do. Bye bye. Let's take another call before we call it a night. We got the time. All right. Hey, you're on the air. Who's this, and where are you calling from? Hey, this is Eddie from Houston. Eddie from Houston. What's happening? Hello, Eddie. Man? Hey. I'm glad you guys answered. Um, so I, I, I'm okay. So where I am right now with my uh, my hair is that I've had three surgeries, and um, I don't. Ha- okay, so they've all been FUTs, and the third time I had the surgery, it was to try to close up the scarring in the back. And how how old are you? First of I, all, I'm fifty. Okay, when did you have your first surgery? 45, I believe. Okay, so it, you had three surgeries within, yeah. a, within a five-year period. Four, yes, yes. Okay. So uh, I've talked to you guys before. Um, and right now I'm just not satisfied. It's like it, it was the third time it was closing up. It was closed up not maybe about 90%, but then uh, it's slowly opening, like spreading Farther apart. So you're having some stretch. So, yeah, and I don't know if it should. Is it something I should be concerned about? Is it something I can do to prevent it to get any worse? Um, I'm gonna let Doctor Anderson then, feel this since there's a doctor in the house today. Yeah, and especially if uh, maybe yeah. So, what do you recommend? Especially if coming back, maybe doing a FUE in the in the scar area. Well, let me ask a question. The uh, so you had two procedures. In the second procedure, did they uh, basically take the scar out and then reapproximate two pieces of hair bearing scalp to leave you with one scar after two procedures? No, they didn't take. They they the second procedure was to take out the scar and take out some more grafts. Okay, so that so they did. So and then the third yeah, procedure in the third procedure were they trying to get any grafts at all or were they strictly trying was that a scar revision strictly? Uh, they wanted to get grafts out also. Okay. Well, you know, I, I think I mentioned earlier in the show the the scalp the skin of the scalp is the thickest on the human body, and it tends mm-hmm. to uh, uh, you know produce thick scars. Uh, when we when I do a scar revision. Uh, or when anybody does a scar, any any facial plastic surgeon does a scar revision on the scalp, if it would be a considered a success if we can get a 20, only a twenty five percent reduction in the thickness of the scar. Now mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like you had a scar revision though. Okay, it sounds like you had three hair transplants, and so what you have a number of options at this point. If you're not happy with the width of the scar, uh, you know I would make sure you're waiting. It takes a full uh, year. Really, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, scars technically always mature, but it would take it takes a full year for uh, sometimes eighteen months for that scar to to be in its resting uh, uh, position and resting size. 
Um, <laughs> at that point, you could uh, you could perform or have performed a uh, a scar revision where they where nobody attempts to get anything more than just the scar tissue itself, and then close it under a lower tension in the hopes that you don't get stretched back uh, as much. And again, in that context, a 25% reduction in the height would be considered a success. And then what you could also do is remember, uh, you, you did mention FUE into the scar. That is an option. Mm-hmm. But I also want to point out that you've got uh, scalp micropigmentation as an option as well. Because what makes a scar obvious, you know, with, with a linear scar obvious with shorter hairstyles is the fact that, you know, it's a linear line that's lighter in color than the surrounding uh, uh, skin because of the lack of hair follicles. So uh, SMP or scalp micropigmentation uh, in the right hands, uh, uh, experienced hands can really decrease uh, uh, to sometimes, you know, 80, 90 percent, you know, sort of a, a rough visual gauge. Uh, the obviousness of any scarring and, and, and allow you to wear shorter hairstyles. But under, you know, for those listeners out there, understand, you know, uh, scars are by definition permanent. Uh, there, there's no such thing as a scarless surgery. And frankly, if you're not creating scars, you're not even doing surgery. And you cannot perform a hair transplant surgery without making a scar of some sort. Um, but in terms of mm-hmm. a linear scar with stretch back, that can be an issue. And I alluded to that earlier. Sometimes it's just we, even with perfect technique, some patients can get a little bit of stretch back. But I would give it a year and then consider yeah, one of the three options, either a scar revision strictly without trying to get more follicles, uh, FUE into that scar, uh, perhaps even with a combination of scalp micropigmentation to aid in camouflage. Does your, does your facility offer that, those services? Absolutely. And the, and the SMP? What is yes. called SMP? What? Yep, scalp okay. micropigmentation. Yeah, I'm just, I, I, I hate to go, uh, the scar did definitely, uh, is definitely improved mm-hmm. compared to what was before. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, the first time was horrible. I mean, it was just absolutely horrible scar. Okay. Uh, I don't know, maybe five millimeters? Is that, is that, that that's well, I've, wide, right? I've, I've, that's not optimal. I've, se- I've seen a lot worse. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, I, it's, it's hard to know without seeing the scar and, frankly, yeah. uh, uh, putting hands on it. When you know, some, I do a lot of virtual consultations uh, from you know yeah. around, around the world, frankly. But uh, unfortunately, uh, many times, you know, especially if the patient's in the United States, I'll, I'll say, hey, you know, this is if you've had prior linear surgery. Uh, and actually, if you've had prior surgery of any sort, that requires an in-person physical exam. And in your case, I would want to feel the mobility, the, the, the uh, remaining yeah. laxity or mobility of the scalp itself. I'd also want to yeah. uh, uh, sort of uh, just kind of take an assessment of how dense that scar is, uh, how much is due to excessive scarring, how much is due to uh, stretch back from from uh, o- overproduction of collagen. Uh, so it's there, there are a couple of variables at play, but I would, you know, pr- prepare for a visit to to someone's office, and it's, it's going to be a difficult thing to assess over a virtual consultation. Sure. And, I mean, and how long do you mean to wait for that? How long do you mean to wait for that to, before they assess me? I would a year. So one year, okay. So it's been about almost six, five. It's been about five, six months. Okay, okay. You, so. You're you're going to be roughly at about eighty percent there at six months, but definitely there are changes. The scar. Scars mature by uh, the body continually lays down collagen and resorbs it constantly, laying it down and resorbs it, and, it, and the scars kind of tighten up and get smaller, kind of like 
uh, and they get more dense. Kind of like if you had a wet towel and you and you wring it out, you know, it gets mm-hmm. it gets a smaller and denser. That kind of process happens slowly, uh, technically forever, but you know, the, almost all of it occurs in the first year, uh, fourteen months. So I, I would give it a solid year. Uh, in the meantime, you know, you could do uh, anywhere after three months. You could do SMP into the area if the if the if if camouflage is an issue. You could do that and and temporize temporize the situation, uh, and uh, you know, for for the remaining yeah. nine months or so that you're waiting on the uh, uh, for the scar to mature. So anything in the interim, I think anything in the interim I can do as far as like supplements or avoid certain things, exercising. Um, no, no. Unfortunately, nope. You know, scar. That's just going to happen. The scar, scar maturation is an automatic process that your body is going to handle. Um, I, I always recommend. I, I recommend everyone take vitamins. I mean, the, the food, food these days isn't what it uh, it, it could be. So I, you know, I think multivitamins yeah. are are good for. That I would encourage everybody listening to take a multivitamin. I, I know I do. Actually, I got to start doing that Centrum Silver stuff. Centrum I ta- Silver. I was, t- <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Joe that the other day. <laughs> but uh, no, there's nothing you need to specifically worry about. Uh, I would maybe get a consultation for SMP if if the the obviousness of the scar is a problem. If you have longer hair and the scar isn't really being visible, then I I would just wait it out until uh, for for that 12 month yeah. mark. Yeah, I'll wait it out. That's fine. I mean, I know when I grow it a little long, it get it gets sparse. I mean, you can see it at, if you're looking. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I'm just a little bit more. Uh, subconscious but uh i mean something i'm willing to wait for a year at least yeah it's definitely a wait and see situation like dr anderson said it seems like you're in a better position than you were prior to this last procedure so that's good and And is it possible that is it possible you can thin again after each surgery like i noticed my hair is still thinning and i don't know if finasteride is enough for me okay so great great question Yes, you can continue to do hair transplant surgery until there's no uh, uh, donor area left. Ha- mm. uh, however, you, you know, finasteride may not be enough for you. You know, the, the, the finasteride may be taken orally in combination with a, a topical finasteride minoxidil product in combination with uh, low-level laser therapy and then, frankly, serial PRP procedures. You know, some patients have more aggressive hair loss than others. And uh, in the name of really preserving the hair that you have, you know, we do multiple things uh, for our for for dental decay. You know, no one for the dentists mm-hmm. who ask me, they're like, well, I don't really want to do all that. What one would you pick? And I kind of chuckle and say, well, you're kind of you're like, imagine your patients coming in. Does anyone say, hey, doctor, I don't want to. I don't want to floss my teeth. Or I want to do one thing. Should I brush or, or and forget yeah. about flossing, or, or just come in for yeah. cleanings and don't floss or brush? So if if, if you had anybody who's had three hair transplants, I would uh, mm-hmm. put the pedal to the metal in terms of hair loss mm-hmm. prevention. So that because what you don't want to end up, uh, you know, in a situation. There's a Kleenex box in my uh, uh, clinic for patients who visit me uh, who who are at the end of their rope. There there's no more meaningful amount of follicles to transplant. Uh, and they, yeah. they and they're very upset about that. And some some of the you know it's difficult to see a yeah. grown man crying about it. But should have a bottle of Jack Daniels. Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a medical center. Yeah, but I you know sure. so I would just make sure you're doing everything you can. Uh, you know, and consult with a you know a 
a qualified hair restoration specialist, a hair transplant surgeon, uh, about your preventive needs. Because, you know, if you, if you tell them you've had three surgeries and you tell them uh, your issues, you know, if they try to sell you another surgery, that's a huge red flag. They, you, you need yeah. pr- likely to be doing more to prevent future hair loss to minimize lifelong the number of surgeries and the number of follicles that need to be transplanted. Sure. And which office are you? There's, I noticed you have two locations. Which one are you at? Yes, I, uh, my website is atlantahairsurgeon.com. I have an office in Alpharetta, Georgia, and one in um, Sandy Springs, Georgia. They're about 15 miles apart. Uh, I spend most of my I spend my time at the uh, at the Alpharetta office. Uh, it's at the Avalon for the, the locals in Atlanta. Um, and yeah, okay. but, but for those who are closer to downtown and Buckhead, uh, 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 Dr. Lee. Uh, who's very qualified, board certified, and a member of the IHRS is uh, in um, is in Sandy Springs. Who do you want me to talk to when I call in? Talk to me, you know, talk, whoever answers the phone. But I think it's uh, Kirsten or Jesse. Uh, uh, but yeah, make an appointment with me. I'd, l- I'd look forward to speaking with you about okay. it. Yeah, all right, man. Well, listen. Okay. Good, good luck to you. All right, you got it, man. You take care. Thanks. And let us know how Thank it you. goes. And when you call in, make sure you tell them that you know that that, that uh, you call the ball truth. Okay. Yeah. Make sure. Yeah. Please, please do. Please remind me you're Eddie from Houston. Yeah. This this way they're not going to fuck with you. Well, no way. They're I'm not just kidding. <laughs> Come on, man. Gonna... <laughs> right, no one man. gets effed with at my. <laughs> that's a, that's it's a serious subject. You would not be. You would not be in this uh, studio if that if that was a the serious case. subject, Chris Spencer. Come on. Man. All right, man. All Take right, care. Yeah. Good All luck. Right. Bye bye. You too. All right. Bye bye. I had to bring his spirits up a little bit, guys. <laughs> All right. You know, so that it, uh, Dr. Anderson gave out his website. It is AtlantaHairSurgeon.com. Obviously, he's a member of the International Alliance of Hair Restoration Surgeons. And you can find his profile at IAHRS.org. He's also one of a handful of uh, hair transplant surgeons who uh, get a recommendation from the American Hair Loss Association. And board certified by the ABHRS, diplomat of the ABHRS, also a fellow of the ISHRS. And honestly, one of the few guys that I allow into my home and into my studio, Dr. Anderson, I want to thank you for for taking the time to be here. And it it was great, man. Thanks, bud. We had a full board because of you. Yeah, it was nice having you on the air. Well, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm very flattered uh, by your comments. But yeah, wonderful studio, man. I always really enjoy visiting you in Los Angeles. No, I appreciate that. You got man. it, buddy. It's always good to see you. Joe, I'm going to let you give out the website, my man. Right on. Well, uh, as we said, uh, Spencer said just a few minutes ago, AtlantaHairSurgeon.com is Dr. Ken Anderson, uh, accepted member in National Alliance of Hair Restoration Surgeons. So great to have him with us today. Uh, the other websites, uh, speaking of IAHRS, there's IAHRS.org. It's a safe place to start. Uh, no doctor's perfect, but uh, a lot of these doctors have uh, great credentials and great experience and have your best interest at heart so you can at least talk to them about what your options are. That's uh, International Alliance of Hair Restoration Surgeons. There's also AmericanHairLoss.org, the American Hair Loss Association. It is the de facto standard for big media uh, when they're writing about hair loss or hair restoration. They will quote or reference American Hair Loss Association to validate their own article. It is, it's a huge thing. And we're talking GQ Magazine, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, the echelon or the upper echelon of big media. Uh, that's AmericanHairLoss.org. If you're listening to this broadcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes Radio, anything like that, 
You can also watch us live here on my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash hair transplant mentor. It's my YouTube channel where I also have my hair transplant class series where I'm talking about the ins and outs of hair restoration surgery, what you need to know, and also doctors I feature that are also IAHS accepted members uh, become hair transplant mentor members. There's also my personal website, hairtransplantmentor.com. You can check out my personal story, my journey through uh, 10 hair restoration surgeries, and it's where you get this wonderful mop of head, mop of head, mop of hair, after, after being a formica with... Pluggy grass sticking out. Yeah, it was bad. Anyway, um, what else is there? Oh, also the um, UK version of The Bald Truth. It's The Bald Truth UK with Spencer Speck Stevenson and Spencer Corbin, only found on 8togentlemen.com. Great website, not just for hosting uh, The Bald Truth, but also uh, great men's styling tips and articles and all that good good stuff. So it's a big website in the UK. Check it out. That's 8togentlemen.com. Back to you. And did you thank our some of the guys that are actually putting the program on their website? Oh, for us? I forgot. So I did not. I, I, and I was chatting with him actually because he had a question earlier. Uh, that's um, hairlosscure2020.com. It is a great website if you're particularly interested in hair loss treatments, both current and future. Uh, he has a lot of interviews and articles uh, about companies and doctors that are working on the cure for hair loss, as it says in the name. That's hairlosscure2020.com. Check him out. All right. Joseph, thank you so much for that. Until next time, guys. Yes. Be strong. God bless. And thank you so much for listening. Have a good night. Thank you very much. I'm sorry thank for you. any inconvenience you may have been put to prior to the program. And I'm glad you enjoyed it. And if you could now leave by the exits at the rear, that would be splendid. Thank you. Good night. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ball of Truth. You know, the broadcast streams live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and 10 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. If you'd like to watch the show or see us in studio, call us live. Ask any questions. If you have any concerns, if you just want to vent, you can check us out on Joe Tillman's YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash hair transplant mentor. Or you can watch and listen to us live on theballtruth.com. 